Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a quote-unquote new beginning for the X button. I am one of your hosts, Alejandro. With me, it's the always lovely. Paul. Hey, everyone. How you doing, Paul? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this new format, trying this out. And I need to not do all of my usual stock phrases like, all right, what are we playing this? Yeah, week? I know. What is this? <laughs> I will um, help you. I will help you guide you. So. I am trying but yeah. yeah. So yeah, so, for, uh, for everyone coming in right now, and if you have checked the channel, we have been running this podcast since we um, we originally started the podcast back in 2020 in an initial run that then we halted like when the pandemic hit. And then we kind of wanted to rethink a little bit. And then we came back as a video show in May this year, if I remember correctly. And uh, we kept kind of kept the same format. And it, while cutting a few of the things that we used to do, now we're experimenting now with uh, basically splitting what would have been in one episode into two separate things. So right now, like if you're tuning in right now, this will be what used to be the press X for some news section of our show. Now it's its own thing. We're still thinking where to still call it press X for some news or even calling it something else. But the purpose of this is going to be that every Monday, we're always going to recap the previous week's news. So either Monday all the way until Sunday, which was serendipitous with Sunday. With one thing, tiny thing that happened there. But that way we don't have to kind of worry about um, always having to shift our show around to hope that we're kind of getting the breaking news or just recapping. And then um, we're going to be having our own set, the own section of what are the games that we have been playing or a topic from Paul's choosing that he always will surprise me with. He never tells me beforehand what the topic will be so I can kind of think on the fly. That's yep. going to be live on Wednesdays. But if you're an audio listener, um, all of those sections are still going to be all together and it will be going live on Thursdays. So, but for the YouTube audience, it's going to be its own thing on Mondays and Wednesdays. This will probably allow, allow us to maybe not go as long usually but, or have a little bit more time to breathe in some of these sections that sometimes when we were always recording all together, we were always very subconscious about not trying to go over time. And that we thought that maybe we didn't need to have kind of that, um, how can I say that, that pressure and feeling like yeah. we're shortchanging some stuff. And it's just going to be better for us, like in the long run, we're hoping. So how do you think of this change, Paul? I'm excited for it. It's going to be that um, what I hope is that variety that really adds the spice to what we need for us ourselves, for the audience, it's not going to be as long of episodes. It'll be easier to jump in, jump out wherever they like, listen to the things they like. If they like news, watch the whole episode on news, stay away from everything else. If you do like what I recommend on what we're playing and um, the other one with uh, my topics, because I'm a little biased and I love those. So yes. It's going to be nice. And I think we, we both win in this one. Yeah. <laughs> in uh, a way, we we're, a little we're, bit of everything. Yes. So can't wait for when, whenever we record our next one. But yeah, for now, this is the news show, Paul. And without preamble, until we find out a new name for it, because our friend Zach, who was in, has been in two episodes from our previous format, he's thinking about a clever new title. And he is the creative side of our, of our group, basically. Like some of the things that he comes up with, like, how can it be so clever? How didn't I think of that? <laughs> so, all right, without much more preamble, Paul, press X. For some news. All right, Paul, like, 
ironically, the last time we recorded an episode, we recorded right before a Nintendo Direct was going to happen. You can we listen did. to that episode right now. We did and, have a full reaction to it, like you said. Oh, yes. It was a reaction that we definitely recorded right at the time that it was happening. There was like no delays. Someone nope. didn't get spoiled at all. So Everything was fresh. There new. may have been or may not have been historical lapse, but... Yeah, there was the Nintendo Direct for the fall. They they usually always launch a Nintendo Direct around September, with the exception of last year when there was no Direct because Nintendo was hibernating. Um, we got this Nintendo Direct for their winter releases and beyond. That's what's interesting there because usually when they're like, Nintendo's pretty good, I'll always be like, no, we're only going to be talking about this. And then yeah. they kind of throw a bone about something from far beyond. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, the headliners of this Nintendo Direct include their reveal of a new Kirby game, Kirby and the Forgotten Land, which looked Kirby. very, which looked very Last of Us. No way. I made the joke. It's like, was this Nintendo Last of Us? No, it was Kirby. <laughs> it was. It's coming in in spring 2022, so around April to June of next year. Splatoon 3 reiterated it's targeting 2022. I could have sworn that when they originally revealed Splatoon 3 in the first Nintendo Direct this year, they had put a 2023 date, but I could have been wrong, but it's still targeting 2022. Bayonetta 3, the thing that closed out the show, getting re-revealed after being dormant since originally being teased back at the Game Awards 2017, the Nintendo Switch first year. Think about that. I got like cut in half. Yeah. That was weird. (laughs) But we got gameplay this time. That yes. was a huge thing. So now we know it exists. And I have a little yes. in- t- t- interesting tidbit about that one after we finish this. Oh, okay. uh, Super Smash Bros. Ultimate, like blue balling its audience <laughs> and thinking that they were getting the, the final Smash character revealed in that direct, they announced that they're having a final Smash direct on October 5th. So next week. The, the internet will absolutely not burn over whoever that. Um, that character will be. It doesn't matter who it is. It's not going to be enough. Yes. Animal Crossing getting another free update and also a game-centric direct for later this year. People think it's later in October, but who knows? They didn't date it, but they said it's also happening. Nintendo Switch Online getting a new paid tier called the Expansion Pack, which is very fun in a very tongue-in-cheek way because they're adding Nintendo 64 games to it and also Genesis. The expansion pack is what you, you you would put into your N64 to play some of the later games from that console. So very mm-hmm. cheeky that they called it that. And, uh, and it was an add-on. Yeah. And the news that stole the show, Shigeru Miyamoto showing up, despite everyone thinking he's retired, to both confirm the release window for the Mario movie and confirming the movie's cast. Paul, what do you think of this Nintendo Direct? Um, well... Like we mentioned in our actual episode, I would say it's above average. We had some mm-hmm. really interesting stuff. We had some really terrible stuff that we laughed at. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say only a couple of them might have been like mediocre. I would say like the Animal Crossing brief trailer to say that there was going to be its own direct showing up was a little weird. Um, I don't appreciate the smash direct stuff saying oh yeah we're gonna show that as well and then saying and that is going to be october later (laughs) (laughs) um and like they know what they're doing i don't appreciate it after a while it's like all right it it worked a couple times it was funny but 
it's eventually it's like all right you know what we're about let's let's move it along and show some other actually interesting things but overall i mean 3d kirby um bayonetta 3 your um god whatever else was going on in there the uh knights of the old republic yeah they didn't uh, mention some of the tiny stuff yeah there. knights of the republic um, the old version she releasing in november collection that, dro um, that, that dropped that dropped yeah yeah because I, I only mentioned the headliners the big right. things but yeah tiny things like even the castlevania collection stealth dropping basically announced at right. that moment and um, also a remaster remake of act racer a very niche oh, uh, yeah. rpg also from square enix also dropped there which i do watch a couple of youtubers one of them uh maximilian dude who is like a little older than us and he's like already has a child and everything but he was super blown away that by that and recognized it so i was like okay so that was more for the previous generation absolutely but like i mean props to them for doing something that was older and more for that whole generation that kind of grew up with it um because if i was around during that kind of a remake i probably would be losing my mind too mm -hmm. it looks like really good gameplay as well yeah it's i always say that uh in some of the previous episodes that whenever you do one of these shows if you can get away at least three things that you're very excited for they did their um they did their job that was um his former sony studio head adam boys he always said that we always pack these shows that not everything is going to be for everyone but if you can get at least three out then we know yeah. we did our job so i would say yes and yeah i mean like I, as you and i said we uh never see any sales for nintendo stuff but if i can ever find kirby in the forgotten land um it seems like a fun little weekend's worth of playtime yeah it's like they're so annoying that they never it. drop out of 60 dollars with these games That's, right yeah, other than just some tiny thing. times that it goes down to 41.99 but the big thing for me here was the stupid movies cast with the Mario I was going to leave that for the end. So oh, my I'm God. Glad, um... Yeah, before we go, some, the thing that I was excited for most of all of this is actually the Nintendo Switch Online stuff. That's that true. We're, that I we're... do want to hear more details. Yeah, I want to hear what the price is because right now it's 20 bucks, and this is like an add-on tier to that, right. an expansion pack, like mentioned. I hope it's at least just $10 more because the online service of the nintendo switch like when you're actually playing online it's straight up trash it's a small 20 dollars yeah it's like it, it, that's the thing like i wouldn't pay those 20 dollars to play online and play it because of the games that they gave us with the super nintendo and the and the normal nintendo stuff that library has a like, pretty much every game that i would want from it like the big nintendo stuff so right and with this n64 thing is i like, just finally having in the switch zelda Karina of time and also in the future majora's max that basically takes care of enough of the Zelda library. We're only missing Wind Waker and Twilight Princess HD that we keep always get, we keep getting the rumors that it's done. They're just kind of sitting on it and then they're just going to yeah. put it out there sometime, sometime. Plus we already went through the Skyward Sword shenanigans finally. <laughs> that game's not finally out there for the not 10 people that like it. Um, but yeah, this movie, like so first of all, like, I thought Shigeru Miyamoto was retired because he hasn't worked in the game in forever. But he shows up in this direct. Be like, yeah, there is this Mario movie. And uh, it's coming I mean, he's in. probably working with them in that capacity. Oh, yeah. Like, like developing anymore. It's, um, what he, it's what he did when he consulted for Mario and Rabbids with Ubisoft. He yeah. was the dude that was there also. 
Chris Pratt is Mario. I want you to get your uh, thoughts out here all at once. Um, go ahead and just light it up. I thought I was being pranked. I was like, "What list a bunch of actors for the, from like a fan cast or like the most ironic fan cast imaginable and the one put that's it in like here?" People who have watched like ten movies in the last five years, and it's like I, I recognize that name. Let's put him in there. No, or someone Google famous actors. Yeah. Then, 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 them. Here it is. <laughs> Let's add them. But I was like, when I just to know very, I watched the Nintendo Direct before you did. That's the thing. Like I waited for you to. I watched it with you in our react, having known what was happening, and I still cracked up at that at that part. Especially like it because it just kept getting funnier and funnier. Because it was like Chris Pratt. You're like what? Then the Anna Taylor Joy girl that what's the movie? She was she in was the in New Queen's Mutants. Game. Yeah, Queen's. I think Queen's Gambit is the Gambit. That's yeah. What it was. Yeah, I know she's being in Queen's Gambit and The Witch. I think it's something it's called. So he's like, yeah, she's blonde, like she's blonde and all that. I was like, yeah, I can see what they would pick that as a peach. But then getting Mr. Peppa Sylvia himself, uh, Charlie Day as Luigi. And just think if you just think of the manics, that manic scene from it's always sunny, like crack man. And I then just we got pictured to- Luigi <laughs> doing that whole scene in his voice. Yeah. You gotta know that's gonna be a thing. Like, I need just, I, I need you voice. to do a Photoshop of Pepe uh, uh, of Charlie Day with like that strings here and dressed as as Luigi. <laughs> I have to I, put that out there. I wonder if I can even find it already. Yeah. <laughs> and then Jack Black as Bowser. That I was like, okay, he Jack Black does enough of like a very manic acting that I can kind of buy it. But then we go to uh Keenan Michael Keys, that guy from yeah. Kim Peel as Toad, and then Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. And I saw this horrible um someone found a Donkey Kong animation and then just interspliced like Seth Rogen's very famous oh. way that he laughs. It yeah. was <laughs> It was horrifying, and uh, and I think Cranky was there. I don't remember what the three other actors were that had Cranky and all that, but those were like the big ones. And even what's ironic is that they had the actual voice of Mario, Charles Martinet, in the movie, but he's not voicing Mario. It's like this is being made, Paul, by the way, by the Minions guy. Yeah, which. Okay, so my thoughts on it, I I want to remain cautiously optimistic because we haven't seen anything from the movie yet. Um, If it's from Illumination, I would assume it's going to have like that really like bouncy feel to Mm -hmm. it that they don't really hold too hard to actual physics, uh, unlike like Pixar, where every amount of physics in the real world exists no matter how fantastical their setting is but illumination it'll it'll squash it'll stretch it'll really get that movement out of it which i appreciate and for a mario movie i think that'll look fantastic um the problem will be in their idea of um i I call it the uh the chopped problem where if you're watching the food network ever um and they ask them to create something they never want to create what you and I would think sounds delicious. They'll say, oh, it's this thing with a fusion of this other thing. And everyone always asks, 
why do you do this? Why don't you just make the cool burger? Why do you have to add like an Asian fusion to it? Why does this make no sense? It's the same situation when you're adapting things like video games to a movie and all of the other media, wherever, why ever they do it. I don't understand, but when you're jumping media, it feels like you have to transition it into something completely different. And uh, that seems to be the case here because they want to, use the biggest name actors they want to use all the crazy things and they want to transform it into something that will hold the test of time or whatever they're not even calling it super mario though it's just it's mario just mario they're going mario. the Lo- the logan route <laughs> yeah um that being said uh on the what i think could be the positive side is most of these people all have voice acting credits already um Chris We've Pratt seen, with the Lego movie. Basically. Yeah, I mean, that's the biggest one. Chris Pratt in the Lego movie. Like, he did a decent job. I'll give him pre- credit for it. Like, I laughed like crazy at that movie. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't remember if Peach ever did anything. But, of course, Seth Rogen has done his infamous um, voice acting. And as long as he doesn't laugh, he's done a decent job. <laughs> um it's Charlie his laugh, Daddy. right? Like, yeah, Seth Rogen is defined by his life. Ooh, all the time. <laughs> Bring me solo in the Wookiee. Um, but like Jack Black and um, Charlie Day, I think will be fantastic. I still feel like Charlie Day doesn't really fit with Luigi unless they're going for some weird manic, crazy. Luigi. It has to be. You have to do um, manic if you're bringing Charlie Day. Sounds like it would be hilarious. So like just doing my own extrapolation for this and Jack Black included it all. Um, it's gotta Keenan be a comedy. He feels weird as a, as Toad, but <laughs> maybe he did something that they clearly liked. Um, maybe they like Cam Peele enough and they did it and they, and they couldn't get Jordan Peele. In, they watched so they... <laughs> Toy Story 4 once and went, oh, we like that first guy. Just ignore yeah. the second one though. <laughs> but I I mean, I think it's really possible they could do something. I do feel like in a perfect world, Charles Martinet should absolutely be Mario. I mean, he's been doing it for that long. You got to put some respect on his name. But I am glad that he's at least involved. Yeah. Like maybe he's going to do something that like maybe there was a scheduling conflict. Maybe there was something else going on and they were like, all right, well, we can't get him for this whole movie. Maybe just some of it. I don't know. No, but- maybe they could like got in him because Charles Martin is not like a big name. They got the big name stars because that's what drives seats into theaters, I mean, yeah. basically. So. Um, it's true. I'm just trying to like justify it in my own way. That'll make me accept it a little better, I think. But um, I feel like it's also no longer people above the age of like 16. Uh, we shouldn't have any opinions on this. In the end, it's not made for us. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be made for us. And um, I'm going to watch it whenever it comes to digital. I'm going to he- read the discourse. I'm going to laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And one day I'm going to look get back like at a it. <laughs> glass of rum and Coke and watch it with a couple friends and think this is the dumbest thing ever. And it's going to be. Crazy. I hope it goes all in on comedy. I would not I love really nothing because like even like a movie like Sonic the Hedgehog, I think that movie works because of comedy. Basically, it's like it's you got kinda... heart too. it's yeah. charm. Jim Carrey, even though he's kind of doing his own thing, it's like feels like people are having fun and it's weird um and it resonated i mean it's getting a sequel so this mario movie better resonate because that'd be hilarious if sonic gets a sequel and not mario considering the the duos 
eternal rivalry history. <laughs> Imagine if they uh, they both succeed and then there's a crossover movie. That'd be amazing. Because that'd that's be the good. thing. Because that's the thing. Like, could you do Mario in the way that Sonic happened? Like, you know, like an animated thing with like real people. I mean, they already toyed with that with Mario Odyssey. Yeah, <laughs> in that City. and that was unsettling. Great. Um, which is funny because um, apparently Mario has some kind of shrinking effect on people around him because Paulina was just as tall as all the normal humans, but in mm -hmm. Mario Golf, she is also small like Mario. Um, <laughs> and uh, if you put her next to the Mario Odyssey map, she's like half the height of the normal people again. So that was weird. Yeah. But um, I'm going to, like I said at the start, I'm going to remain cautiously optimistic until I see a trailer about this. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll see, like, I want to hear him in the, the characters. I want to see yeah. everybody really in their element. And I need I'm to hear his Mario. I need to hear Chris Pratt's Mario. What, is he going to do, like, a fake Italian? Is he just going to be Chris Pratt? I want to hear, like, the approach that they go for it. I'm thinking he might just do, like, a straight-up Chris Pratt, but higher pitch. Um, because I can't see him doing, like, a full Italian thing without sounding like really insensitive <laughs> so no, um, I, but i'll say though the photoshops of everyone like photo photoshopping the jurassic world picture of I him know. with the dinosaurs like dressing like, as well, mario and his mario and luigi <laughs> i mean mario <laughs> and, yoshi. and yoshi oh man it's like the internet was aflame in the best possible way when that happened when those news happened that was like that was the talk of that direct and i wouldn't have it in our way because it gave me some of the best laughs i've had watching one of these shows it's it's low stakes cringe is what i'm gonna call it i'm gonna file right. that away i just hope that it happens to me what happened to me when i saw the detective pikachu trailer the very first one i was Ooh. shook at how good detective pikachu looked and even more shook that that movie was good yeah so i mean it was like a decent uh animated movie i would say and it's, it wasn't like crazy in any one direction but uh, it's probably the pokemon movie i enjoyed the most at least in recent memory because the only live action one also well so. yeah definitely the only live action <laughs> one but i just uh like it, it that one also had heart and it was very much carried by the charisma of ryan do you Reynolds. remember do you remember the first pokemon movie where ash got turned into stone by oh, Mewtwo yeah. and Mew. I mean, that's just I a classic. I think it's seared into my brain now. It's, yeah. Uh, I remember never... crying in the theater as a kid watching that. Is like, that really hits you in the soul? <laughs> I watched it pretty late, actually, on TV, and I was like, "Oh shoot, this is crazy! What is this going on?" Because I didn't know it was like, "Oh, this is the first movie or whatever." It was just, "This is." Uh, a, a Pokemon movie. Everything looks way better animated, and the Ash is here for some reason. Mm -hmm. And then he just dies. I was like, "Oh, is this why Ash like didn't show up in one of those other shows? Because they did like Pokemon Chronicles or something mm -hmm. with um, some of the other characters." And so I was like, "Is that why he's not here? Did he die? Did he turn into a stone or something?" And then they yeah. did their thing. Yeah, uh, we have to bring in Zach to have Pokemon talk because he's the Pokemon trainer, literally. <laughs> yeah, my. My whole Pokemon story getting into that is so weird and delayed from everyone else. So it would be uh, nice compared to some people who like, oh, I was watching it or playing it from the beginning. I remember that anime, that, that Pokemon anime was, um, I got into it right as it came out. And also my dad bought me a PC version of Blue and Red. It was like emulated. You can play both. Oh, it was red like they made a PC version of that. Yeah, it, it was like some weird way that you could actually play those games on PC. Wow. And I played that. That's how I played Pokemon. I didn't have a game with Caller, and 
I have such special memories of that Pokemon, of those early Pokemon games. Even though Yellow is my favorite. True. So. I feel it. Well, no. um, I think that was just about everything. Yeah. Yeah. For for the Nintendo, at least. Yeah, Nintendo was okay, but it had the most memorable moment ever <laughs> in that movie. So number two, ironically, in the same day as that Nintendo Direct, in the, in a very late tweet on Thursday night, uh, Microsoft owned Studio Day Initiative which Microsoft opened in 2018 and dubbed them a new quadruple A studio announced that they were partnering with Crystal Dynamics for co-development on the Perfect Dark reboot. They officially unveiled at the Game Awards 2020. This is a curious announcement because the studio has been going for almost 40 years and they just announced they're still early in development and they're partnering with the studio that's owned by Square Enix. While there is some connected tissue there with the initiative and Square Enix having shared a studio heading Darren Gallagher. Darren Gallagher worked at Crystal Dynamics before he went to uh, the initiative. Uh-huh. I think this announcement raises many questions surrounding this project, like how much longer is going to take for development? What's the shape of it? Like what's even going on at the initiative? What is even going on at Microsoft first party development? Paul, what are your thoughts? All right, so um, I'm piecing together whatever I'm seeing in this written out paragraph and everything that tells me is this wasn't a priority from them um, at all. Like the the fact that Microsoft really hyped this up, it sounds like a PR kind of like marketing side of the team, really wanting to hype up people and getting an email saying, hey, we got to hype up this new grouping that is uh, partnered with us, but there's like no actual connection there. So they're like, oh yeah, it's quadruple A studio. It's going to be amazing. We got this whole thing. Ah, and then the actual development is like not nearly where they think it is. Um, And then only just now where they like either clearly overhyped or they're not prepared or they're too young or something that crystal dynamics needs to come in as the veteran to help them out with this uh what were you gonna say so the big hype about this studio was that they poached high level talent from sony yeah. santa monica naughty dog even crystal dynamics that california development scene they opened that new thing and be like hey all you new you veterans that want to like all work together and this new thing by microsoft come here and that's why we're working. That's why they dubbed them a quadruple A studio because triple A development is like that high budget, big games. Them calling yeah. them quadruple A is like, no, what we're doing here is serious. This is going to be yeah. huge and all that. And my thing is that this thing has had this high level of talent since like 2018. And over time has been like adding them. Ironically, one of that high level talent, Drew Murray, who worked at, um, who was the director of Sunset Overdrive over at Insomniac who also has a California office there. He went to their initiative. And then literally two months after they unveiled that what they had been working on was Perfect Dark, he left and rejoined Insomniac. And uh, let me, um, I think given that new information that that helps me explain a few things as well. So you probably understand this concept, but for any listeners and watchers, um, when you have a great team that is made of a lot of different personalities, when you take the cream of the crop of like a lot of different things, what the problem is, is that you take usually the same personality type out of that. And then you put all of those same oh, yeah. people with the same personality. It's like type in sports. In it's like you get, you get all exactly. the heads like the heads into sport. 
when you have such a great team, the reason is, is because of that crazy variety and the different roles that people play. Like some people need to be at that stage front. Some people really need to be in the support and some people prefer to be in the support as well. But when you put all of those main people in together, they're not going to usually jive together. They're going to butt heads. They're going to have the same creative ideas that are going to come against each other. None of them are going to want to step down. It's there's a lot of active, there's a lot of driven, there's a lot of type A, and that's the problem that you come into, especially when you're a Microsoft trying to do something like this, say, hey, we have the resources of all these places, we're just going to bring all the best of that to this spot. Um, and what you do is you turn that into a battle royale Thunderdome rather than mm -hmm. an actual creative um, cooperative development. It's the only explanation as to why that studio has been going for 40 years and their game is still in early development. Mm -hmm. It's like, say Everyone's what you will about Yeah, say what you will. Um, because I'm going to get into the um, Square Enix Crystal Dynamics dynamic in a, of it all in a bit, but say what you will about Microsoft. I have no idea what's going on with, with their first party development, especially having all these studios together. I feel what? like our opinion on them keeps flip-flopping. Yes, because that's the thing. I through the pre our previous format of the show, I have been praising Microsoft to hell and high water by all the consumer-friendly moves that they've been do doing with the Game Pass and the uh, the ease of use of their backwards compatibility, their smart delivery, especially when PlayStation has just been... Yeah. They, they had to also backtrack of them forcing people to buy Xbox Live to play free-to-play. They made it free-to-play. Mm -hmm. They do everything right, except put out a damn game from their studios, like excluding those of, that were already in development that they scooped up. Like, for example, Psychonauts 2 is one of the best reviewed games of this year, one of a lot of people's favorite games. They bought Double Fine in like yeah. 2019. That game was already in development. So it's not like it's something that they put it. They just scooped it up and put it under their umbrella. We still don't even have Halo Infinite. It's still coming in December. It's having a beta right now. It's like being pretty well developed. It's, 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 being, it's being very well received still. Uh, the campaign is still people's worries because they still don't show that thing. And um and then the only thing that they have reliably put out has been Forza, which is Forza Horizon 5 is coming out this year. But then what's going on with the non-Bethesda like studios that they have acquired? They haven't put out anything. And now he reading this, they're not going to be putting out a Perfect Dark until what, 2024? Maybe 2025 if, if this is still in early development. And this, this is quadruple A that's supposed to be high budget. God of War... It's like a, I would consider like a quadruple A level project that took five years. Right. So it's like, I don't get what's happening there. Unless that they, Crystal Dynamics just takes over completely. I can't see this taking, uh, I mean, being a quick turnaround. And here's all. here. And here's the rub, Paul, because I went into Libica. I think you can find a student like LinkedIn. I don't know. I, I saw this floating around on, uh, on Twitter. The initiative only has 70 people in it. 70. Crystal Dynamics has 300 people in it. Why are you calling this a, a quadruple A studio if it's only 70 people if there? This is quadruple A. I don't know what Insomniac is. Yeah, right. <laughs> Quintuple A, probably yeah. with like the thousand people that. Obviously, we made the joke that they have like 10,000 people working there. That's obviously just a joke, but with all the games that they put out, because they'd staffed up a lot, because you need to staff up to do this. Yeah. And to be fair, it's like it's no secret in AAA development or like development at this caliber to have support studios to um, help you put out a game. Like 
it's been reported that The Last of Us Part Two was not always made by Naughty Dog. They had a bunch of support studios, like in Malaysia and all of that, that goes up to 2,000 people that got that game pushed out the door because you need that kind of manpower to put out that game at that level of fidelity and quality. But they're not doing it just as a support studio. They're bringing an entire like actual AAA developers, Crystal Dynamics, to help develop this. And this is not even ignoring the fact that they're still in Avengers duty. And when they put this out, they also mentioned that they're still working on Tomb Raider, which is interesting because they haven't worked on Tomb Raider since Rise of the Tomb Raider. Shadow. And I thought that was the end of um, that series was Shadow of the Tomb Raider. Yeah, and Shadow of the Tomb Raider wasn't even, wasn't even made by them. It was made right. by Idols Montreal, the guys yep. that are making Guardians of the Galaxy now. They did that because they were working on Avengers. They after Rise of the Tomb Raider did uh, Deus Ex. Yes, Idols Montreal also Idos. did Deus Ex. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Idols Montreal did Deus Ex, did the Shadow of the Tomb Raider, and are now finishing up Guardians of the Galaxy, which some previews came out last week to say that it's surprisingly decent. People said really? that, yeah, people liken the team-based combat to Final Fantasy VII Remix. So that's right, right, rose my eyebrows, but we'll have to wait to see here I mean, and it, hear it more. It almost looked like Final Fantasy XV, um, mm-hmm. like combo attacks and stuff, but at least like you had more control over it, which would make sense they would do seven remake because you could more specifically control everybody's mm-hmm. individual moves and switch characters real quick to do something like that. Um, and like Tales of Arise, another one in there that I, I might pick up at like Christmas time or something. Same because I've heard many, many good things and I heard Tales yeah. games are very easy to just jump in at each one. It's like the Final Fantasy right. conundrum like, that they don't have really like a continuity. Connected. Yeah, but yeah, they are now bringing it like I was mentioning Crystal Dynamics. It's funny that now they're actually bringing a team that has on record more staff people than even the initiative. It's just like, what a PR nightlife mess. They they should have never said that was a quadruple A studio if they're if you're only gonna be that understaffed. And just think about like how mismanaged you are that you have to bring in a third party from a different publisher to help you work on this game. You don't even have support studios within your own family that you can be like, hey, come work on that. Like um, Gears of War developer, the coalition is helping finish Halo Infinite. They had to be like, hey, come help us finish it. So they don't even have from their own things. It's like Microsoft Game Studios is a mess. Continues to be. It's. I think that's one of the problems is Microsoft purchased all of these previously created um, studios to do these things. The problem is they each have their own identity still. Like Sony, uh, what do they call it? A Sony. uh, Or Worldwide Studios. Yeah, um, but like that is their thing that is from the company that is part of the company that's called the company's name and that's all they are. Um, and then like even if they're going to do something like your uh, Blue Point, right? Where whichever one that does all the remasters. Like and the buying, one they bought Nexus. Like yeah, Nexus. Um, Blue Point so to be buying something. Yeah, right. They didn't really confirm that one. Uh, every time you do something like that, that companies made to support other companies and like that was very clear because their resume kind of said that but this is like all right we're buying all these cool companies and like they're buying companies that work on very niche very specific types of Mm -hmm. games that's not going to jump back and forth very easily about Mm -hmm. you're using different engines different textures different systems different geographic locations and and sony's shared technology like decima the technology from gorilla that uh, 
the Power Horizon, that's a technology that's been like shared around by for all the studios. They have like more community, they have a better network of development with the different There's studios, even if they have their own identity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Microsoft kind of went the consumer route of like when you look at something like consumer looking at the way Sony is laid up, they said, all right, let me copy that. But with none of like the context, they just said, all right, I'm going to grab all of these things and then I'm going to make that mine. But the problem is they didn't do any of like the infrastructure work. So now there's all of these crazy unconnected. They're systems. figuring all of this out as it goes along. But they're doing it such a let's throw everything at the wall and use resources until it comes together naturally. We're not going to like mold this we're just going to break it all and then kind of like lego it you know we're gonna mm -hmm. just throw it break it all and kind of put it into a pile and say all right this is our new creation isn't it so cool but it's like you didn't you didn't put any of the pieces together you didn't build it right yeah um microsoft it, is, is running headstrong into what sony had to figure out over almost three generations since the ps2 as they kept yep. growing their first parties like this takes time it takes time it to get it as a will all machine and, I mean, and they waited too long, too yeah. long, way too long to start investing in that. And now seeing this kind of mess is exactly why it's like, it just shows that they're still in that growing pain area. It's like, it doesn't matter how flashy the PR is that they have all these studios. They still haven't put out anything worth a damn. That's not the tried and true. And it's, it's an embarrassment that they have to bring in a third party. Crystal I want to me. push back um, yeah. real quick because I know we can be cynical about it, but think about it. If you find yourself, say you wake up one day and you're Microsoft and you realize that Sony is has built exactly what we just talked about, um, how else are you going to do that without, like if you have these resources and you want to one day get to that point, I'm actually a little impressed with Microsoft at least acknowledging this and trying to address it. They might not be executing it well, mm -hmm. but the fact that they're trying to push this together, they're trying to get these this connection, they're trying to get this cooperation to happen, I think is good for the industry in general because maybe it won't work for the next one, five, or even 10 years, but one day Microsoft is going to have this system that I think is going to really help. Yeah, it would be... How I see this is that they figured it out way too late because it means that they were pissing at the rain for four years just with the initiative. True. And when they finally announced what they were working on, I thought that was like finally after four years of them concepting, they were finally entering the ramping up now. We're near the home stretch to get this out. And maybe they realized that they were not even remotely close and they needed, they hit the panic button and see they, who they could help. And in this case, kind of what I mentioned, Darren Gallagher, he used to work at Square Enix with yeah. uh, over at Crystal Dynamics. And he works at the initiative. Maybe he still had some pull from his old from from his old team, and they would be like, "Hey guys, I know um, I know how you guys work. We work together. Uh, we need help. Is there any way we can make this work?" And that's how they brought in. And also, we have to remember that Crystal Dynamics uh, did Rise of the Tomb Raider as an Xbox One exclusive for a year in 2015. So there has always been that kind of like closer relationship with them, even though they're a third party. So. That's the only way I see this working, but it still doesn't make it any less of a mess. Just knowing how long this team has been going and how it was pitched. It is just another, because this even doesn't go into the whole, whole thing that happened with Rare with Everwild, that they announced in 2019 that game. Yeah. And then they came out last year and be like, we don't even know what the concept of this thing is. We're restarting development. So it may be just a 2024 thing. It's like, 
they have they literally are a mess in development and they have to be thankful that they have won the PR battle with all the consumer friendly things because this would sunk anyone else if you were not winning the the PR the, the PR battle. That so. is true, but a shout out to the PR team that seems to be holding it down with. Oh uh, yeah, they, they're literally holding. Yeah. It. They're they're holding the whole mess that is there, and also thank God for Bethesda because at least Bethesda has a development uh, culture there that puts out games. And they don't even just have that culture, but they have an entire support system within Bethesda itself. To... Yeah, they just inherited all of that basically with that massive purchase. That I will say was a really great decision on that. Oh, yeah. Part. The more I think about it, it's like that was more shrewd because now seeing if they had not bought Bethesda, now seeing the mess that is just the teams that they had already started or work or had things already working before this purchase. Microsoft, I'm always rooting for Microsoft because I want them to always be the one that gives Sony a kick in the balls to always strive for be better because that kind of competition is what you need. But you want that uh the the Super Saiyan mindset. You want them to beat each other up so they can both be stronger. (laughs) And literally through that helping us do our thing. And then eventually they'll get the god of destruction Nintendo over here Uh to to look (laughs) our way and say, Oh, that looks cool. Let me try that. And then that just does their own thing and exceeds at it immediately. When all of them compete that way, it's um that's how um we all win as gamers right i don't want it to just be like a complete like landslide of what happened with ps4 that it was so predictable right. that then it be, wow. it made sony become so um not, not even tea but it's, they just wrote it under laurels because they won the battle so definitively they could just close oh, yeah. by so but, um and like even the smallest level of like the stadia helping popularize the idea of cloud gaming and helping Nintendo actually do something with their garbage uh, hardware to do cloud versions of games have um, third party top tier games actually showing up. I wish they did it more, but mm-hmm. not just like, hey, we're going to finally put Dying Light 1 on our system. Yeah. Isn't that great, guys? But now but Dying like, Light 2 is going to be day and day, but it's a cloud version. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah, but just the fact that that's that's what you pick for a third party game. You're not going to put anything else on there. Um, But anyway, I'm glad that all of this stuff is kicking these people where they need Mm -hmm. it and helping them build themselves. Microsoft obviously needing a lot of infrastructure help maybe one day. So, I mean, well, Sony is supposed to be working with discord for a new party system. So we'll Mm -hmm. see that sometime next year and hopefully they'll learn to do either away with PlayStation now or do something different that makes it a lot better to merge it with yeah. PlayStation plus. And more than anything, like in the Microsoft, I just want them to finally put out games that they can be proud of that. They don't seem like they have to go through hell every time. Like what we're even seeing with Halo infinite, that feels like that thing is the definitive popping the house on fire saying, this is fine. Yeah. If you're trying to get it out by December here. So it's sad because I never would have expected Microsoft to struggle it's like you get all the little things right, but you fail at the big thing, which is putting out games. Whereas Sony nails the big thing and gets all the little things wrong. It's so yeah. funny. They're like literally mirror images of each other in opposite ways. <laughs> or the two sides of the different coin. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Number three. On to the next one. Yes. Number three, Paul. You're a big Titanfall fan, right? I am. Being a Titanfall fan sucks because you get this kind of jerking jerking around thing um 
Respawn got into a bit of a contradiction this past week, where, um, especially with the existence of Titanfall 3, during a stream, uh, a personal stream, the community manager was asked if Titanfall 3 was being worked on, and he frankly answered that it's not in the works, uh, that we shouldn't get our hopes up, and that Respawn is right now working on other projects, which we all presume is a sequel to their highly anticip- uh, highly claimed Jedi Fallen Order from 2019, and more continuous development on the still thriving Apex Legends. That thing is still a top five game on Steam. It um, is justifiably so. They've put a lot of effort into um, new maps, new weapons, new characters, and a lot of other things going on there. However, a day after the community manager said that, Respawn Twitter put this. Contrary to what some folks are reporting, Titanfall is the very core of our DNA. Who knows what the future holds? Considering Titanfall 3 was part of the NVIDIA leak we saw like two weeks ago, the existence or lack thereof of this game is continuously a point of frustration for big fans of this series. What are your thoughts real quick? (laughs) Here's the reality. Titanfall 2 didn't sell well. But that's not the game's fault. It wasn't Respawn's fault. That was EA's fault. That has been the the best shooter of this last generation besides Destiny 2 for me. Like, that's an underplayed masterpiece and still remains an underplayed masterpiece. And I'm glad that Apex Legends took the essence of the shooting yeah. of, of Titanfall and put it in in a battle royale, even that's, though that's not my cup of tea. I always said that. That's one of the few battle royales that had me for like a good two weeks despite me hating that genre because of how and good it felt to play. They even added the uh, elimination from Destiny into it. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the, the mode, which is a huge benefit because you get straight into the meat of a gunfight you get to use your abilities and you don't have to worry about any of the extra stress that usually here's what i've been noticing a lot of people are like playing these battle royales but are not playing the actual battle royale mode they're playing all these modes that lets you respawn haha or it lets you um do other stuff like there's the like i see my brother play modern warfare he barely plays the big map anymore he plays the alcatraz mode that if you yep. get killed, you can re- get respawned in 40 seconds or you get uh, revived by your teammates. And now even Apex is getting more playtime by this 3v3 elimination mode instead of just playing the regular Battle Royale mode. What I've been telling, Battle Royale is dying. People already sick. Of, maybe people already finally sick of the dropping and getting killed and having to reload a new match. What a surprise. But, but yeah, it's like it's interesting that the community manager was so frank because he literally was like very he didn't use pr speak he was like we're not working on it but now then respond puts out being like hey who knows what the future holds it's like either say you're working on it or not like it's like don't jerk your audience like that but they're taking lessons from their favorite developing team blue box entertainment yeah (laughs) blue box game studio insensitive (laughs) (laughs) um yeah it's just uh i guess my little two cents on it i mean like like you i love the idea of titanfall um i thought it was such an underutilized concept of all right well you're first person shooter but you get basically your tank kill streak (laughs) tank that is a mech and is awesome and uh but somehow is still really balanced because you could easily get wiped out if you don't know what you're doing um Titanfall 2, an amazing single player, 
using the godly voice of uh, Optimus Prime. Optimus Prime is BT. <laughs> um, fantastic decision on their part. But in any case, like they have such great stuff. It's just the fact that they put out their games at stupid times or they make it exclusive for some reason or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. The um, first one's still Xbox exclusive. That's insane. I know. It's, it, I don't get it. Um, like eventually at least put it on some other stuff pc your ps4 whatever it is it doesn't matter just let more people play it and then now it's like being taken over uh titanfall 2 is uh a hacker's playground right now so if that, you, that's like, the only news you get in titanfall 2 is that it's just a ha- hacker nightmare but not and even that it's like it can brick your system if you start up the game now um they passed that out finally if, oh, you, was, if, if you heard that then you can go back to it but okay. yeah I, when um, i heard that i was like i'm not touching that because i have it installed on my ps5 because i want yeah. to platinum that game and, and uh, i i love the idea of it anyway but um just to wrap up my thoughts i mean respawn's been hitting it out of the park with jedi fallen order justifiably so they got to work on that sequel mm-hmm. um apex legends you can't really take your hands off that because that can just spiral out of control as that we've seen with touch strafing and all the problems that the pc players are constantly whine about mm-hmm. um and there's a third team out. there because they also put out a medal of honor vr game on oculus so now that that team is done working on that vr game like what else are they working on are they working on another vr game are they working on a normal game that is um the big question with respawn because they have staffed up they have big teams i mean they had to staff up to take care of apex they had to staff up to properly work on whatever's next for star wars uh one good thing that i think about is um despite their requirements with jedi fallen order because that's not just for them themselves mm-hmm. but that's working with um ea and um to disney as well for star wars but with apex legends a lot of those people i would think it's a lot of the same mechanics i think they can easily jump back and forth between something like that with titanfall 3 and with the way apex legends is currently um i would hope that they could take some people away from apex legends just uh, long enough to make titanfall mm-hmm. 3 and then jump back in um because a lot of like i mean your quality assurance a lot of that extra polish has been it's being worked on for several years now with apex so i would think they should be able to easily just jump right yeah. back into that i just want that series back because it was so complete i will always say that um to me Titanfall was always special because i always saw it as the next evolution of call of duty of course the people that created call of duty are the ones that created titanfall and to me it just saddened me that the follow-up was never as big as the thing they had to leave because of their lawsuit and being fired by activision and all that and then their previous thing continues to just be astronomically big that there's it's so big that Activision can remove its name and just say Call of Duty presents Call of Duty Vanguard instead of Activision presents Call of Duty whatever. That's how big their previous baby has grown into. It's not just a brand monster. anymore. It's its own entity, I would yeah. say. I mean, you could just say, um, I mean, anybody that's not even heard of even barely video games as a concept still understands that call of duty is a thing and even if they don't know anything about it i would say that it has transcended just about everything that you could transcend it's kind of surprising that they never uh bothered to try capitalizing and jumping into the movie market again but um mm-hmm. uh with all of their games being movies more or less now i think that the only way they can go is down almost um but when will that down be 
that's that's crazy. I mean, people like, have been saying it is on the down for a long time, but then every once in a while they get a one. huge uptick with Modern Warfare 2019 and Warzone probably making it the biggest it's ever been. Will Vanguard be a down? Because a lot of people are very down after that beta, but who knows? They had the advantage of being the first shooter out since Battlefield got delayed. True. So. And that's going to help just out of the sheer convenience of it because a lot of people are their game systems are Call of Duty machines. And I've met a lot of those people, especially right. out in the, the boonies of America. Um, shout yeah. out to my boys out that way yeah. with your pickup <laughs> trucks lifted for no reason. Yeah. Um, that's they love it and they'll continue to play it. So uh, they need a reason to play something else. And mm-hmm. who knows what that's going to be. And that's the thing, like no one can blame Titanfall's quote unquote failure on anything more than EA. They're the ones that pursue that exclusivity with Xbox completely misreading the market of where he was going to go. You make an exclusive in the machine that was less popular and had all that nightmare. And then you sandwich the second game, much better game, a week after your pri- like your primary shooter and before the Call of Duty. It's like, I don't blame Respawn. It's like they're just re- responding to the hand that they were dealt with, but EA is at fault there. They could have had their Call of Duty. They had the Call of Duty people. It's crazy. <laughs> it hurts my soul. Yeah. What happened to Titanfall? I'm just, I'm glad it's getting some kind of recognition in Apex Legends and it's still set in the same universe so they mm-hmm. can always go back into it. I mean, I would say Valkyrie, the most recent character that they added, was the most related to Titanfall, being the daughter of one of the bosses um, that you personally kill. And mm-hmm. she, she wants to understand why he died and what happened and you're let's just like oh. or one of the characters was the uh one of the ones that created the record for the gauntlet of titanfall 2 that racing gauntlet from the very beginning oh yeah i forgot about and he that. lost his legs and he has like robot legs now so they had cool they, they have a cool lord that they're kind of exploiting on apex the thing is that now apex has tonally has gone completely off the deep end compared to where titanfall is that it's very yes i would be very i think for titanfall 3 to succeed now would actually have to try to ape ape apex as much as possible because that's the thing that now people really associate with mm-hmm. instead of what it originally was it might have so. to be like a crossover game or like what a lot of people hope for rainbow six siege where it's mm-hmm. a story driven game with all the characters involved um and then kind of jumping back and forth between all that so exactly i think so. they could it just have to like titanfall as it is can't be exactly what it was mm-hmm. which is shame it's a shame but we'll always have Titanfall 2 for the few of us that played it and loved it the, the, world the, still spins. the multiplayer it's almost dead now it's hard to find a match which yeah. that hurts hurts this all more than anything but respawn unless you have something to say just don't say anything about Titanfall anymore please or at least don't get our hopes up don't do that don't blue box game studios us please final story Paul um, on Sunday yesterday Naughty Dog showed during Outbreak Day this past Sunday the first official look of The Last of Us HBO show starring Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey, who, for those who don't know, played Oberyn Martell and Liana Mormont, RIP of to both of them, from Game of Thrones. While nothing else has been known about the show other than it being 10 episodes, at least for the first season, and game creator Neil Druckmann being heavily involved as an executive producer and even going to be directing some of the episodes, the look is a sign that the project is actually happening. Naughty Dog also reconfirmed they are still hard at work on a standalone multiplayer project that they're still hiring staff for, but nothing else was said on Outbreak Day other than some merch. You saw that picture, right? The 
Pedro I Pascal did. and Bella Ramsey from it's it looks good. It, it, it actually looks good. Like looks all right, but um, I it also looks faithful <laughs> to the thing. Remember that um, all of the cool set pictures from Force Awakens were really awesome, and we know how that played out. Force um, Awakens was good. I'll fight you on that one. <laughs> it, okay, you know what? I mean, I loved it. I yeah. I do. Um, I'm just more thinking whatever followed it up. It's yeah. just the problem is like the disconnect can be there because you can look awesome on set. I mean, um, who knows what's going on with the new Dune movie, but mm-hmm. it's like people see pictures on sets and then the reviews can be something. Which, by the way, the Blade main Runner char- 2049. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, but, the main, but you mentioned Dune, the main character of that movie is named Paul. Yes. <laughs> Shout out for my boys named Paul. Um, it's so funny when you have stuff like this crazy high concept work and then all of the characters are like, was it like Duncan and Paul? And it's like, just so weird, but, um, shout out to that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, like what we were saying is, um, the quality of the movie usually isn't lined up or TV show in this case, isn't lined up with prop or set pictures rather. So I, I'm still skeptical about it. Neil Druckmann has a really powerful ability to do some awesome things with my heart. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have to give him respect for it, but I also understand that what he wants is not at all what I like sometimes. Yeah, especially with- after seeing part of where, the things that he focused on part two. But he still wrote the first game. So And this first season is heavily focused on that. Yeah, um, I, which I appreciate. Yeah, I just the fact that there's a set photo because I know that they've been filming and that this is kind of like a very high quality, like HBO is putting a lot of money into this, like building huge sets for it over there in Canada where they're filming. And the fact that they have Craig Mason, the guy that did Chernobyl, the highly acclaimed Chernobyl HBO series, he, he is the one overseeing this project with Neil Druckmann. So it's not that they're just putting anything like just to make it work, not like what's the garbage thing that's happened over with the Uncharted movie with Tom Holland and freaking Mark Wahlberg as Sully, where <laughs> I honestly forgot that was the thing. Yeah, that got a 2022 release. It's a compared like Naughty Dog disowns that Uncharted movie. It completely disowns it, and like they're not ha- heavily involved with that. Like like they're with Last of Us, so you know it's like yeah. <laughs> it's, uh... mm. I just I'm picturing Mark Wahlberg from The Happening being like no. That's not us, Nate. But no. then, like in in Sully's <laughs> voice, oh gosh. Yeah, so, anyway, so you um, can just compare that, just like how torturous that Uncharted movie has been. That it's been like almost ten years in development, and this one was like greenlit quick. They got in production quick. It seems like it's actually happening. I so, mean, it helps that the original creator is still mm-hmm. like very heavily. He's gonna direct to episodes. He's gonna direct right. some of those episodes, um, so you know he's. Uh, the creative, think, the, the creative, it's like Robert Kirkman working on Walking Dead. It's the, right. the main dude, like overseeing a bunch of this stuff. I just think that it's like, from a faithfulness standpoint, I, I dig it. But mm-hmm. I also just, I don't know if I have the same respect for the guy anymore mm-hmm. because of like, it's like your sliding scale of where you view a human's potentiality for evil or good and then on one side you have death stranding and the other you have last of us uh-huh. um i just i don't agree with his like philosophically mm-hmm. on what he thinks like oh look at how horrible humans Humanity are look gets how terrible mm-hmm. everything can be how uh, like just dour and depressing it all is and i'm yeah. just like all right i'm i'm done with that whole thought process and now. That, and that's why that's stranding which 
came out last week, last Friday, like the director's cut, um, to great fanfare and many turnaround opinions. <laughs> yeah. Um, that feels like the kind of tone you want to strike in a more post-apocalyptic game. Like that stranding is so earnest in trying to look for the best of humanity or trying to reconnect humanity, despite yeah. like an, an, an unseen threat and a calamitous disaster. And Last of Us just like dives deep into the mystery of like the horribleness of people um, in, in that kind and of situation. I've been living in the horribleness of people. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of uh, done with that. Like, oh, look at how evil people are. I'm like, dude, I know. I yeah. live in this world right now. It's 2021. At time, yeah, at the same time, it's like, that's kind of where he went with the second one. The first game at least was the one that had the glimmer of light that was It Ellie. was a lot more hopeful, which yeah, so, I'll give it that. Um, I think it's just because I know it's so tied to him personally that, I mean, eventually he's going to try doing something like that. Mm-hmm. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Like, we'll, we'll see if this show is actually successful. What if it goes beyond... Because the first 10 episodes, they say, is the first game. The right. four seasons that comprise the first game, that's where what the show will be. Will it be a one and done? I doubt it because they're putting a lot of money into this. And HBO is looking for their next big Game of Thrones. True. And in which they still haven't found. And their Game of Thrones spinoffs are still kind of like withering during the ether. They put up cast pictures, but I felt nothing watching those cast pictures. Like the set pictures of those characters. Be like, yeah, I don't feel anything. That finale burned Probably, me hard. Yep. Not going to um, watch it. Not going to worry about it. <laughs> or I'll wait until I hear people say that it's worth watching. It's not something that'll be frothing at the mouth for. Yeah. But but yeah, what if they remember the best parts of part two, last of us part two are the flashbacks of Ellie and Joel growing up before their eventful That would breakdown. be nice. I mean, what if the, more the further seasons are like them finally having a way to flesh out the best parts of part two, in my opinion, instead of like the more revengey section that was the majority of that game mm-hmm. so who knows mm-hmm. what worked about it is the back and forth between joel and ellie and when you don't have that i don't feel uh, mm. nearly the connection that normally should be there um because the even in last of us 2 probably my favorite part is the flashback scene where mm-hmm. ellie and joel go through that uh hotel museum. and the all mis- that stuff uh, you know, the, the the hotel. yeah the hotel um, the scary right. hotel yeah um, I, I mean, I love that because I got that back and forth again. I just, I didn't feel any connection to anybody else. That's mm-hmm. what made that game special to me even more than the gameplay, which was kind of lackluster in some places. So mm-hmm. when you take that away, I no longer care. Yeah. But to so, be fair on two gameplays where it shined, <laughs> like it picked up the know, slack in the gameplay. Yeah. And the second picked game, up the, the slack on the gameplay, but yeah. then they just ruined what I loved about it initially. So, yeah. and I mean, that's what everyone and else again, says. Like so. I mentioned with Xbox and Microsoft, they're like opposite mirrors. If they're the opposite yeah. sides of the different coins, like the first game's gameplay, eh, but its story was really good. The second game's gameplay really good, but the story was you love it or hate it basically. Yeah. I like that story, but I know where you wouldn't. <laughs> I, I used to like it, and uh, then I used to hate it, and then I started to like it again, and now I think I just hate it again. Yeah, um, it'll go like that. <laughs> yeah, so but you there got we that go. stranding now, and and with that, that concludes uh, the news. Things that like something that we want to insert as we finish the news, like what are some of the games that are coming up for this upcoming week? As far as I know, nothing. But next week, there may be something. But just as a reminder, Death Stranding, Director Scott, and Kena Bridge of Spirits were the two big games from last week. Go play Kena. Go, go play Kena. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll talk more about those games and whatever else we'll be playing yeah. on Wednesday. So, Monday. Paul, this is our first news-only show for Mondays now. 
I liked it. So we'll keep on going and I'll see you whenever we record next. Yes, indeed. And everyone, don't forget, press X. To play. Good night, everyone. See you later. What's up, you silly seals? This is your boy, Paul. I came into that with a lot of energy because today is my day, everybody. And of course, I have my lovely co-host. Alejandro. Hey, Alejandro. So this is my episode today. We are talking about what we have been playing this week. One Mm -hmm. and two, the second week of my topics. Now, Alejandro, I'm going to let you take the floor for a minute yeah so for everyone that's joining in and seeing now this posting up kind of like we mentioned in our um news show on monday that what used to be the one big podcast where we had everything at once we're splitting it so like the news is its own thing that's always going to be on mondays always aiming at 5 p.m central time at least that's when we want that show to always be going uh going live and then us talking about games and paul's topic is going to be was going to be airing on Wednesdays, hopefully also at 5 p.m., give or take the internet uploads on time. Because yeah. I tell you, my upload times suck. But also another thing is that we've always mentioned about being co-hosts, but since we came back and did the show this year, I've always been the one hosting. And then I thought, how about I give Paul the floor in the things that he really loves, which is talking about games and the topics. And then I take the floor when we talk about news because I love throwing those nuggets So. Wednesday is Paul's show, Monday's mine. And that's how we finally like balance this co-host thing. And I also kind of want to be bouncing off from what he like throws at me now, instead of always him being the one that has to bounce off what I, what I throw him. So exactly. Very so excited. That's, that's where we're coming in here with this today. Alejandro, we got some good stuff. Oddly enough, a few of our games that are exactly the same this week. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't want to blame 2021, but it sure is looking like that's the reason for this case. Otherwise, we would both be playing very widely different games. And sometimes those are fun, but I think it's also fun when we both dial in, play the same couple of games, and then see our differing opinions. And sometimes not even like on prompt. Like one of these was like, I just happened that I was playing it and you happened to just buy it. (laughs) Yeah. And they both, um, all, all four of our lovely decisions to play games and uh, four banks of where we just spent all of our money. Yeah. Do we want any of it back, Alejandro? Mm, so far, no. Not from these. I agree. All right. Well, let's jump right in, Alejandro. Do you want me to just list them all or do we want to just kind of go yeah. as is? Yeah, we, we, we can always list what are some of the games that we're going to be talking about in the specific week, and you can always list them. Got it. Well, everybody listening, what I got to play this weekend was Deathloop, obviously. Mm-hmm. Little bit of it, though. I've kind of finished up with my, uh, my time with that game as of right now, unless I really want to just mess around and explore and if I want to platinum it, because it seems doable if I can just find out what the heck these hidden uh, trophies are about. Because that's my problem. So 
quick question. Do you know that you can open up the hidden trophies within the trophy list? You told me that. I just remembered. Gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, you yeah, like click like the square you, or something. Yeah, you click that. They changed it a little bit, but you click the trophy and it says unveil information, and then it tells exactly what it is. If you want to know, <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm gonna go through that now and um, figure it all out. Because before that, you would just kind of look at a trophy list and then you'd compare and see like, all right, what do I have and what am I missing? And then you would write down whatever was hidden on the trophies. list. Yeah, all the hidden trophies and what you think they might be. And then you would just do your best to do those things. But that's going to help me a lot. Um, I will say the trophy yeah. list of Deathloop, amazing. It's the what I love about trophies in a way, because it actually, especially with the kind of sandboxy nature of Deathloop, I would say that those trophies allow it to show you that there's many different ways that you can play something or like a very specific way that you can approach killing one of the targets. Mm. Like... Fia is one of them, like the crazy girl that's like inside the nuclear reactor. Yeah. But if you get found, it, she literally explodes the island and, and sends you back in your loop. Uh, you can get a trophy just by sneaking in and just killing her without like no noise. And some of my favorites is walking in, not killing literally anyone other than the target and walking yeah. out without ever being seen. I did that at the end. I did get that trophy. I got three trophies at once. It was like, beam, beam, beam. I was like, that's awesome. <laughs> Did you do the run where you went the entire time not killing a single uh, Eternalist mm -hmm. and only kill? Okay, so that's yeah, what that's, you're Yeah, that's to. what I got. Yeah. I wasn't that's, seen. Um, I didn't kill an Eternalist. And wow. I killed the targets without shooting a bullet. It was when you had to like pursue two targets that are kind of like in love and kind of hidden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I flooded, that was the, I flooded the place. Really entertaining. <laughs> same um i found out there was a a faster way to do that somebody walked in and headshotted both of them immediately mm -hmm. and then just left and i was like oh so i went through this entire process thinking what i did was the safest safest and most efficient um and that didn't work out the other pro uh process that i did was hacking all of those tripwire mines mm -hmm. and letting them just walk into it as i activated the the flooding and that felt so satisfying because you just you're a walking tank at a certain point in that game if you know how to put your build together you're unstoppable yeah now how long ago do you finish it because i finished it yesterday so it's really I fresh in my mind you've been finished it for like a while you did it yeah, before like me. a solid maybe like a max of a week after it came out um, but I did fill it with a lot of extra silliness and ridiculous running around back and forth. Yeah, the game like even recommends you. It tells you, yeah, you've finished the game, but there's more secrets, there's more ways. Go explore. Yeah. Or if you want, just I... reset everything. Do you, do you find any of the really weird, not really Easter eggs, but like threads that don't really get brought up in the main game again? Um, there was one that I have in, in particular, but do you have any? The only Easter egg that I really saw was the Dishonored Easter egg near the end. Okay, so... so um, then, yeah, that's the only Easter I didn't see other ones. I guess Easter egg isn't really the best term. It was more like extra things in the plot that make things more interesting, but don't actually tie into it. I actually didn't, yeah. I was just okay. so laser-focused and trying to nail my 
characters and targets and everything relating them. Okay. That, that's as far as I went. There is, um, there's stuff that I haven't figured out, like the guy that Harriet lowers into the poison. Mm-hmm. Like apparently if you kill everyone and leave him alive and he doesn't die, supposedly he's the guy that runs a mask emporium that opens up a store later in the day that you can go into. Um, okay. Another being, I think it was actually for the main storyline, but there's the guy that his place burns down at a certain point in the day. But mm-hmm. if you go there earlier, you shut down the generator, you get stuff. Um, but the biggest one that I found was like a full cutscene. Um, there's another lady that is hiding in her room who gets murdered during the days. But if you can get to her beforehand, and you know like the password she'll let you in and you have a whole conversation with her that she remembers everything from each day like you and juliana and two bit yeah uh and two bit she is like she doesn't know why but she's been really wanting to like remember and then i won't spoil the rest of that but um i i don't think i've finalized that like strange unmarked plot line um and then afterwards i spoke to juliana about it and she's like yeah we just there's things to figure out and we need to work together on it and then that was like the end of that conversation at the time but man just to imagine like there's still so many things that i haven't figured out about this game that i'm just like i don't even know where to look anymore yeah i've I've been wondering if there's more to like the circus from one of the areas that's close to harriet where you see like all this like where it's tell, tell you oh the pentagram's here and like there's like this room oh, that you yeah. go in and there's like uh, a machine that you press in and tells you something i always wondered if there was more to it because you never really use it you only have to open like a safe that's in that room mm-hmm. so there's more to this game that you even think there is yes there there absolutely is um and i mean like there's the entire um backdoor hacking method to two-bit that I found where you have to um, like defend these radio satellite dishes and then <laughs> you get um, more commands to give two bit. Um, one of which was to mark Charlie as the invader. And so he gets gunned down by all his own people. Okay, so there's, there's some up. stuff in that game that you can find that, um, continues to make things even crazier it's literally the metal gear solid 5 uh philosophy there's so many ways that you can complete those missions that i didn't even know were even possible now imagine instead of uh what we have in death loop you get these locations spread out by about 40 miles of wasteland that you get to ride a horse through to get to them yeah (laughs) and then you have metal gear solid 5 Mm -hmm. so yeah so well, now, um, so now that you finished it, um, obviously this game reviewed really high in like places like IGN and GameSpot and all of that. Like, now that you finish and you're done with it, do you think it was worth that praise, or do you think it maybe was scored a little high? Let's, um, I know the answer, but I don't want to say it. The problem with this year is that of course we haven't had really anything coming out and Mm -hmm. i remember the way i was feeling about deathloop at the start of the year throughout summer and everything 
and it didn't even know this, what it was yeah it was just this unremarkable weird first person shooter that was like all right it's arcane studios but they're really not doing a good job um i even got to watch um this youtuber called girlfriend reviews mm-hmm. and the entire concept is this isn't a review of the game it is a review of what it's like to live with somebody who plays video games and <laughs> she watches her boyfriend play these games and explains from like a spectator's perspective of what it's like and it's really funny because it's a very different perspective on games mm-hmm. um but she'll do like reviews of all the biggest things and um she spoke on the idea of death loop and um it was kind of funny because i am losing my train of thought all of a sudden what was your initial question i was that was leading to something yes. just now do you agree with the high praise it got from go. some of the big outlets like super um, high praise the highest of marks so she had mentioned something similar in in her review was that um doesn't feel like if we had gotten everything else out there like we did this wouldn't have been more than i fear a fart in the wind unfortunately Mm -hmm. um they showed clips of the initial like trailers a live action guy trying to explain everything on a whiteboard which was the point i was trying to get to i almost Mm -hmm. forgot it and the way he was trying to like make x's and say like oh if you kill this guy through this place and you go to here and it looked like a game of clue that he was trying to play out on a whiteboard and it made no sense even from me who had played the game now (laughs) looking back on it i'm just thinking who in their right mind was thinking this was a good idea to market this game like this and if it hadn't gone the way it did this year that game would have crashed and burned sadly the way it is right now i think it's a sleeper success because all of these big market areas are giving it these higher views which is leading people to play it and mm-hmm. actually enjoy it so to give you a long answer for a short question i don't think it's worth a 10 mm-hmm. but i think it's way better than most of everything else we've gotten this year yeah. Therefore, for 2021, it's a 10. <laughs> yeah, I can oh. I can understand that. Like, I got too caught up in the fact that both like big sizes like IGN and GameSpot agreed on giving it a, a 10. I was like, okay, that doesn't happen often. Mm-hmm. And then playing it, like initially playing it and seeing the brain dead AI, I was like, this seems like a huge oversight to not really mention in your reviews that the AI in this game is atrocious. But it has a point the further you go in and yeah. um, I got too caught up on that. I was like, ah, man, that sucks that they didn't really mention this because now a lot of people are going to get caught up on the fact that is this a 10? Is this not a 10? And yeah. that tends to usually the discourse around that is always like, oh, this isn't a 10. So it sucks or something like that. That's usually how it is. And like, I kept talking with one of my friends, my friend, Josh about it. When I kept telling him, I was like, yeah, I'm kind of angry. I gave it a 10 because I don't think it properly discusses yet. Yeah, it does a lot of things really great, but these things are so hard to not ignore that I feel like a lot of people are going to get too caught up on that. But it's you a really great a game. Point, actually. Yeah, um, but it's it, a really, it is. It's a really great game. And that's the thing. Like, it's a, it's right now, it's my front runner for a game of the year right now, because the other game that I also had it in mind that I mentioned it last week when we talked about, and we're going to talk a little bit later, I need to finish it first. But I feel like, yes, it stands out more this year because we have barely gotten anything. Just looking at my list of things that I have bought this year, it's pretty anemic. 
it's been mostly playing a bunch of stuff from previous years that have either gotten an enhanced on a new machine or just have the time finally to play because we barely have anything new to play. So this is a great backlog year if you have been amassing your backlog. But yeah, I feel like Deathloop as a shooter is like it's very unique amongst like the crowd. There's rarely you've seen a first person shooter that handles all of this as both a stealth game as a roguelike light that doesn't punish you like a roguelike and it's dynamism like it's dynamic systems and all of that and yeah it's just something that to me really will stand out like for the rest of this year they should be thankful that everything else slipped because kind of i kind of agree with you that kind of like in the same band as many arcane games arcane games a little too niche yeah that sometimes they can get lost, but when you're starving for something new. <laughs> he, he got all robotic on me. No, my, my, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, my mic messed up again, like that one time. My mic is being stupid. <laughs> you were good until you went quiet. And yeah. then when you spoke again, you were robotic. It was yeah, funny. Technical issues abound. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah. And I was, and my door had opened like mysteriously. So I was like, kind of looking, I was like, right, like did the go, did um, Cole just sneak in? He's about to kill me right now. The PT ghost from Death Stranding show. Oh, up. yes. <laughs> yeah, oh. never mentioned ghost. But yeah, it's like, I really like this game. I think uh, the, the outlets that gave it like eight fives or nines, I think that's more in the money. And that yeah. still to me puts it in the top tier because kind of like you mentioned, there's barely anything. We'll eventually talk about the games that actually came out this year, and you'll be surprised how little there is. Yeah. There was. If it wasn't um, indie, the indie scene has been booming this year. But yes, I barely played I, those. So. I agree to that. Um, I did want to bring up one thing. You brought up a good point. Are we too focused on the idea of a masterpiece? Mm-hmm. And where it's like, what I find is everything has to be a masterpiece it has to be the next 10 the next classic mm-hmm. or it's garbage um I, I feel that um this is something that i really like about and this gets lost in the review descriptions about like ign and GameSpot. Mm-hmm. and for them is not flawless there's flaws right. in it it's just about the things that makes it so good that helps transcend most of those flaws and I'll even say it, like even with the AI thing, once you get all your powers, you no longer think about the AI being brain dead. You think about them as a, as a power fantasy that you figure out as a puzzle and how you can mix all of that. If the AI was super smart, it wouldn't have been fun to do those powers. So everything eventually did click for me and I saw where they were coming from. But I feel like we get too caught up in associating the number 10 with the word masterpiece whenever someone sees a 10 you immediately think something's flawless because we come from education systems but there's no game that's flawless there is just well isn't. i'm i'm referring to oh my computer just freaked out hang on a yeah, second we're all are you there like, okay yeah. um in technical issues i was trying <laughs> to scroll through ign just to see it happen and like my whole screen went black but yeah. anyway um the reason I bring that up is because IGN's 10 is tagline as mm-hmm. masterpiece. And you read the so, description was us. Right. Um, and that's what I'm thinking is, but not just on that, like I'm thinking on a meta side of as a consumer, you, me, everybody else on social media and stuff like that. Um, 
I feel like a lot of people in media are way too focused on the concept of this needs to be perfect or it's nothing. Mm -hmm. And um, I fear, I mean, I feel like we've actually started that upward tick again, but there was a string of time, I would think in the last like five years, roughly, and probably starting before that was um, that overly cynical, overly critiquing, method of thinking of things i mean just look at the i wouldn't call it a fall but the rise and fall of cinema sins and that kind of uh, way of thinking where we're going to break apart everything and every little nitpick and our perspective is going to be very specifically negative if they don't explicitly tell you it's a plot hole and if they do explicitly tell you it's called telling not showing and everything's terrible um and i think that popularity raised like a mini generation of media consumers that are really black and white overly uh, yeah it's like black and white it's going to be um the greatest thing ever because it's avant-garde or whatever and i'm going to defend it with whatever resources i have or it's going to be terrible and there's no way you can ever convince me otherwise yeah it doesn't help that this past few years we've really gotten really 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 good games also that are worth a super high praise and all that, mm-hmm. that that tends to skew what people sometimes expect out of like, what is the best game this year? What are some of the best things from this year? And I usually felt that the most fun times are when there's more of a nuance in conversation about what were actually the best games of this year. And the more I think about it, 2019, a year that many saw as like one of the lesser years for like the past generation, which it was sandwiched in between a year that gave people God of War and Red Dead Redemption before that Breath of the Wild and even in 2020 that Last of Us Part 2 and it's super high reception in the critic side ignoring the fan backlash that that tends to be skewed as if you don't have those kind of high caliber highly reviewed game then the year was garbage or at least that's what people say and that's why like 2019 I feel like now looking back is probably the year that I have enjoyed most because there wasn't that kind of game. Instead, there were a bunch of great games that each had their own flaws, but they were all unique in their own ways. And everything could have been like someone's game of the year. That was the year Death Stranding originally came out. Jedi Fallen yeah. Order, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Sekiro. Um, games that it could be anyone's game of the year because they were not like the super top tier, but they were excellent, still great games. Yeah. And you could have that conversation. So... I think that makes it more interesting instead of just the blanket. Here's the 10. Boom. Shut up. Like From the start of uh, like 2010 towards 2019, I would say games progressively got much better across mm-hmm. the board. Um, I wouldn't know if that is the availability of certain technology to make it easier or better resources or more experience in the industry. But I mean, you could even say that in the grand scheme of all of entertainment, gaming is still in such its infancy. Oh, yes. Even in like the great, amazing leaps that we've made, um, you think about something like radio, your comics in general. Your We're in the 1950s, 1960s era of gaming, where film and TV were yeah. back then. Where we were kind of like in that it area. Was still coming to into its own. Like a lot of people really liked it. A lot of people really didn't and didn't see the point of it. And I, I think it's just, it makes me so much more excited because I know that 
even if we're looking at it from such a short-term perspective because social media has taught us to think short-term where things can rise and fall in a day, what gaming is going to be able to do 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now where we're all going to be in retirement homes with Smash Bros. Melee tournaments <laughs> on <laughs> you imagine Thursdays. that game's going to last that long. I, I believe old people are going to be really ridiculous like that. And we, as that generation, would pick something like Melee to stick around. Yeah. For all and that's years. the thing. Like, I don't know if it's happening to you now that we're almost hitting 30. We've reached the point where we look back. We think yes. about the dates, the days of old. And it's very hard to sometimes compartmentalize if the things that we're playing right now are the best they've ever been, or we already passed the golden era of gaming also for us personally, because it's so subjective. It's also such a taste thing that we can not know if this industry is like objectively in its best path yet, yeah. or if its best days are still ahead of it. Well, There's you look at it like history where a lot of people think, I know my perspective is going to be America here, but like pre-reconstruction pre-civil war old west everyone used to think that was like the greatest there was just like the the wild west is right now with um the gamecube the ps2 mm -hmm. the xbox uh the original xbox i wouldn't even go as far as ps1 and the n64 yeah and ps1 n64 you could do anything you could make it all but then it also had some very heavy restrictions on what you could do and then you move into that industrialization phase everything gets commodified everything gets very um factory sort of style machined parts and everything and some people are like oh the old west was so great but then you also gained a lot out of that so i think it's going to be a lot of that perspective where you're getting a lot of this now where things foundations are being built pilings are being built on what can be done what can't be done but then you always have branch offs I think. oh yeah I would say this, that probably the thing that makes me think fonder of older generations in a way is how much they were able to do with so little. Just think about how like relatively underpowered things like the PS2 or the Xbox or even moving to the PS3 or the 360 and even the Wii where yeah. compared to True. like the giant leaps in technology we got with PS4, PS5, the Xbox One, and then the X and the Series X, all of that, mm -hmm. that it feels like when you see something very graphically intensive and all that, as impressive as it is, it's also inherently less impressive because, you know, of course they were able to do, get here now. Look at the tech they have. Right. And then thinking like how much creativity there was when technology was also so limited and thinking how much advancements happened in that old generation. Think about it, like even the PS3, like look at the original Uncharted. Look how that thing looked. And then look Absolutely. at The Last of Us. That like those were four games Same that system. Same system, same limitations and all that, and see how much same they were company. able to. Yeah, same and same company. Like how much you could extract from a from a stone, basically. How much water you can like extract from something. I think that's what yep. made some some of those older console generations more exciting because now that we're in the era of the mid gen upgrade, like the PS4 to PS Pro and then PS5 and all that, it feels like everything is a little bit more subtle in how better things are. I feel like right now in this generation, loading is the more impressive thing, and yeah, the true. standardization of frame rate but those are technical stuff not design stuff that we st are still yet to see from a design perspective what's the next leap forward i would mm -hmm. argue 
the concept of lighting was probably the biggest jump visually that we mm-hmm. could talk about. Yeah, like ray tracing. Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say ray tracing is a bit of a caveat because as it is right now, we still have that either or situation mm-hmm. with a lot, unless it's hardwired in, like we saw with one of our subjects later mm-hmm. on in a second, um, that allows a sort of version for both. Um, but for the most part, that hasn't standardized quite yet. Yeah. And it's also like that's kind of technology that you even need like the beefiest PCs for them to really right. run at like at the highest of specs and at the highest of frame rates also. So just the fact that these machines do ray tracing at all, it's at that price also. It's pretty commendable. True. So, that's um, like the iRobot meme that they have going around right now where they're saying, PC is better than console, and then the robot says, "Is your PC better than a console?" And it's mm-hmm. Will Smith going, <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome, which is true. I mean, a lot of the people, even a lot of PC people, discount the leaps and bounds that consoles are doing because they're saying they either spent two to four grand on a system that works for them, or they don't have anything good, but they're just in that culture but then when you think about it console is not necessarily about the raw power but the ability to commodify it in such a simple package that can be sold for such a small amount of money and i feel that you kind of hit the nail on the head is that consoles started to become more like a pc that that's why those comparisons start to become a little bit more obvious in kind of like conversation back then in the ps360 eras you couldn't call those pcs there were bespoke levels uh, weird hardware, like all built together in a weird machine that yeah, couldn't right. compare to just a, a normal CPU and a PC that I think now that we're moving more into PC-like territory because everything has to scale up, everything has to look prettier and all of that. I feel that's why you get more smug comments from the PC people because we're kind of now dealing in that territory now. So. True. And I think that um, every step console takes forward is almost like not necessarily a step back for PC, but at a certain point you can't get any better with a PC. Um, So we'll say whatever ends up happening, PC may be able to jump forward, but I think uh, that line is going to slowly get closer and closer until they're pretty much parallel with one another. Yeah. But I would say like, if we want to see like, probably bigger leaps in technology we have to see them in things that are not just photorealistic in a way like one yep. of the other things that are in our list that we'll talk about it's true um which reminds me now alejandro let's talk at least if only a little bit about cana bridge of spirits which we talked about last week a lot yes we did so that's why i didn't want to jump too deep into it because i know neither of us has finished it right you haven't finished mm -hmm. it no okay i'm taking Um, my sweet time with it because i agree um i've binged through so many games and ruined my experience with them because i wanted to say that i was done Mm -hmm. and um i realized that is not the way to go that is it's no fun it um ruins experience for myself outside of that one moment of oh yes i did it let's go check out what everyone's saying on social media and Mm -hmm. then there's like few posts and that's yes. it. or like if they have like spoiler cast or something i want to hear the spoiler right. cast just to see what they discuss and all that i've done that many times mm-hmm. but it's also especially i think isn't the do anything inherent of the year that we barely had anything that you feel like you just want to savor anything at this point and not I to try to burn a, that 
mix of that and um the, uh, the older i've gotten the more i've realized that what i have needs to last um especially if i plan on having children one day i am gonna not be able to be that dad that sits back and all right kid you go make your own dinner i'm finishing the new god of war yeah <laughs> and um uh, i gotta figure out a better system for all that so i realized that I'm going to try um, stealing the time I can, but also not letting it completely obsess myself over everything going on, which actually is ironic that I say that um, because one of the other things on our list today has absolutely been taking up a lot of my time. And we'll talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah I know which one. <laughs> so, um, so oh, Andrew. No further thoughts on Kena, like other than what I said last year. I have mentioned that that was game of the year so far, but that was before I beat Deathloop. And I'm like, okay, now I think I have to really think about it once I finish this one also to see which one stood out because Deathloop ended up surprising me having finished it and how everything came together there. But Kina still stands out to me like as a great way of a showcase of technology in a very artistic way. Like I still, I'm awestruck at its picture level quality in everything and it's the further you want to biomes and and the further you see that world develop and i don't want it to end even though i know it's short i really don't want it to end and i'm also saving it because i have a bunch of big stuff also that i need to finish and i mentioned that's the perfect palette cleanser last week and i still yep. feel that way like the kind of more smaller contained thing that you play after you've done the big thing so yeah well i'm glad that um you're taking your time as well. I've realized just the little things like the meditation circles, the um, ability to take pictures, but then it like keeps the animations going. So mm -hmm. you can pick the exact moment and every other character in the game reacts to you taking a picture next to them. And they'll make a pose as well. They'll smile, they'll make something. Um, so of course, uh, Rufus, the giant bull, even like kind of turns towards the camera mm -hmm. and i was enjoying the heck do you out know of what that. other game does like a photo mode where then characters would pose mm, not off the top of my head i know ghost tsushima you could force it but it yeah, wasn't kingdom heart 3 oh gosh you're right yeah I Especially if you put it in, if you put that. it in like selfie mode, and then the character then yeah. would they would pose and all that. Mm -hmm. It's been two years, Paul, since you finished Kingdom Hearts three. Don't feel too bad. Oh, I feel like I just finished blocking a lot of that out of my head, and it's <laughs> I enjoyed that game so much too. It's just too much for my brain. Well, yeah. So I'm not gonna say too much about Kena, but I'm enjoying it. I I want the next sequel the same reaction i had when i finished jedi fallen order and i was just like i can't wait till they make another one with all of this stuff and then mm -hmm. more things um and it's the same with kena and i really hope they get the resources they deserve uh they get the backing they deserve sony needs to give them a blank check right now to get whatever they need or whatever debt mm -hmm. they had to go into to make this game what are you gonna say they mentioned that Kina may also appear on Xbox and Switch soonish. Like okay, in the so near it's future. not like a specific. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the more my people other can in... play. The more people can play, yeah. the, more, the better. But that's true. Um, but Sony deserves do... credit for having given the money to kickstart this. Like that's that's fair. Yeah. Um, 
and if that's the case i mean if it's a timed exclusive series then that's fine with me as well i mean because we still have like ori and the the will the wisps that mm-hmm. was just pc and xbox right and then it moved to switch oh the switch yeah that's right yeah, the only um, time that the, the only system that it hasn't moved to it has been playstation unlike cuphead that also started an xbox then moved right. to switch then it's now on playstation so who right. knows maybe ori will also join that the I would like people, to because the more people can play Ori, the better. Please, people play Ori. Ori's fantastic, especially the first one. Second one's also great, but the first one's special. And I still have like no context for the series somehow. Nobody's really talked about the plot details. It's just, it looks fun. It looks really smooth. And one day I'd love to play it. It's so it's serene. It's one of the most serene experiences in a platformer. Also, a very tough platformer. I'll say that. So, All but right. it, it's not too far. It's like it can be punishing, but it's not super punishing. It's like the Meat Boy kind of punishing that one more. I need to do it again. I need to do it again. I'll, I'll it's pretty it, so. punishing. Yes. <laughs> but in uh, something that's not too punishing, Spider Man Remastered. So, yeah, how are you doing? And like, how, how far how far into you with Spider Man Remastered? I, I finished the episode where Jeff Davis um, showed up the uh miles dad oh okay oh you're early so, so yeah you're i'm still pretty early I yeah you're still um, not one i was kind of enjoying myself and then i got onto like a party chat with one of my friends and i just swung around the city again while i talked mm. to him um but it's so relaxing doing that right just like singing around like doing feels, like collecting the backpacks and all that it feels so good because yeah it's that's basically what i was doing i would just open the ma- the map tag an area in that general direction of where i needed to go to get like a backpack or a new part of the map or whatever because story and then like combat kind of took a little too much of my focus to be able to talk Mm -hmm. so i would just do that and i just i cleared out like a whole horizontal swath through the map because it was just fun and then like you get good enough where you're swinging in mid swing you like take out your camera and <laughs> snap a <laughs> shot real quick and then you're gone yes um and it's then so all of a sudden you know, this is so frictionless exactly. being able to do that it's um it's fantastic and i know that that game has spoiled any other spider-man game that's come out before it absolutely um there's no way i could ever i go played back many those. of those this year because there too. was the, oh, there was, not this year. No, yeah, but this year because I, again, there was barely anything that came out this year. I still didn't have a PS5 at the time. So I was like, yeah. I'm kind of like an old game bench. I'm going to play all these old Spider-Man games I had. So I went through Spider-Man 3, Web of Shadows, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Those games, uh, with the exception of um, Web of Shadows, those games suck. They really suck. Like now that, now, now that we know what a yeah. really great one is, those games really don't hold up well, especially no. Spider-Man 3. Like, Spider-Man 3 is like borderland atrocious. And it's even worse on PS2. And I played the PS3 version. And, oh, gosh. And uh, Web of Shadows has amazing combat and a really bonkers story. But it's also highly repetitive. Wild. But um, I would say it's probably the closest thing we would get to a one-to-one comic storyline mm-hmm. put into a game. Because oh, yeah. It's, 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 that's it's, just it's very comic Marvel book. comics insanity yeah and it has all the characters that 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 appear there and then you you can also play with the black suit and switch at times and you make decisions i think whoever shadows is kind of underrated in a way i think that's a real that's one of the more fun spider-man games that came out in that 360 era but yeah these insonic spider-man game like i had only played it once back in 2018 weird 
three years since this game came out. Think about that, Paul. We passed the three-year anniversary a few weeks and back. Some of those three years, you look at it, and it looks very dated. Spider-Man looks so good. Especially in, even in remaster form. It's like oh, yeah. you, you, you didn't think they made improvements until you actually play it. And uh, I beat it again fully. Like, complete, complete the campaign. I'm actually playing through the City That Never Sleeps DLC. I have to finish the wow. uh, Black... You burned through that. Yeah. And also, I think I enjoyed it even more now because I am not platinuming the game like I did before. True. So, like, I, I I devoured back in 2018 this game. But when you have to do, like, five random crimes in every district over and over and over again, you have to do yeah. the Harry, the Harry Osborne like lab That's things. It, One of the worst things. Especially if, you, if you're trying to do them all at once, it can get really tedious. And I'm sorry to realize that I have a problem with wanting to 100% game sometimes, that that can come at the expense of my enjoyment with the game. Another yes. example of that is Ghost of Tsushima. So, again, another game that I platinumed. And I usually go for platinum so games I'm really enjoying, but I fear that whenever you try to platinum something, you you risk the lasting taste of that game to be disgust. And yeah. I felt a little bit like that with Spider-Man because I burned... I, platinum and then came back later for the dlc but because i wasn't in the practice that dlc was so hard like because combat in that game later on can get a little tricky especially it, in the dlc it really is i actually um for me it was like i would get hit once or not at all or i would get plastered um and it is so much of that i realize where they improved upon like the Arkham style of combat is it matches Spider-Man's character. Mm -hmm. He's not like Batman He's is going to counter yeah. and turn it around and directly like crush somebody's kneecaps. Spider-Man only has a dodge swing. move. Exactly. He only it has is... a dodge move. You have to keep attacking. That's because yeah. if you're, if you're trying to play it as Arkham Asylum, which is mostly waiting for that counter, it's not right. as fun. And in that game, you have to like always be in the move, always pressing triangle to like web yourself into a different enemy, build your meters, use the things. It's like remembering all of that. I was like, man, this is so fun. Why had I forgotten how fun this game is? And more importantly, how amazing, no pun intended, spectacular yeah. the story is. Like that's, um, I would say like pacing wise, it, it, it can get a little too hung up on some unnecessary stuff. Like I feel the pacing grind grants to a halt whenever you have to play as MJ or Miles. Yeah. And, but at least the actual narrative of that story, that story is touching, is well-written, and it does so well in like building a relatively new villain for people that don't read comics, like Mr. Negative, to the point that he and Otto Octavius are the only ones that get a lot of development because of how important it like nails the story thread and the humanity of each character. No one is, a, other than the Sinister Six, no one there is a villain just because it's a villain. Norman Osborn is doing all his heinous stuff because he wants to save his son. Right. Like, uh, like Otto Octavius got robbed by Norman, and he wants like retribution because a lot of his successes were taken by someone. I feel that. I understand that. Like, mm -hmm. Even same as Martin Lee, like the experimentations they did on him like took his family from him, and yeah. he wants that kind of retribution. So it's like, you understand all these character motivations instead of just being like the mustache twirling villain. And the ending, obviously you haven't replayed it, but that ending sequence hits still so hard. It really like, it Like in, in, in a way that that's, that final like bit resonates with me more than any Spider-Man movie. 
I always said that the Spider-Man, the Spider, this version of Spider-Man is probably my favorite interpretation of the character. Like in, in every way, shape, or form, even from MJ to Peter mm-hmm. himself, it yep. takes the best inspirations of like all the best versions, but this is so uniquely it. And it's a good, it was a good reminder for that. And, and not having to worry about planning in the game because I transferred my save. So I got all the trophies immediately from PS4. Oh. So I was like, I got that platinum again, so I can just play and have wow. fun. So you could do that if you had the PS4. I didn't even version. think about that um, because it didn't like show an option to transfer the save. And I was like, oh, R1, whatever, I'll just you have to click R1. It's a, <laughs> um, but you have to like have the PS4 version and upload your save to a cloud. Again, this is like the completely asinine way that yeah. PlayStation handle like save transfer compared to the smart delivery thing. But I want to play, I want to finish playing that DLC. I also want to like clean up Miles Morales also because I only played it on PS4. I want to play the PS5 version. To platinum completion, also, I'm on a Spider Man high. <laughs> I, I guess just briefly touching on Miles because, like, I played it a little bit right before I got the remastered version, obviously. Because while I was downloading, I was just like, well, I might as well swing around and play yeah, because the game you have again. because you have to buy a remaster through Miles. Through, There's no yeah. way to buy it after outside of that. So I, I definitely realized that, like I told you, I binged through the storyline so much and like you said that i probably i definitely missed out on all the really good side quest stuff because mm-hmm. i thought it was going to be similar to spider-man 2018 yeah and side quest is where miles morales heavily improved over 2018 because i also did all the side quests in this replay and they're fine but there's actual great story content in the miles story especially story content that eventually doubles back and circles back around to jefferson davis who you know was what happened to him in this game that's incredibly touching that was a bold decision because Mm -hmm. i thought that was just oh okay so that's like comics no but apparently it's the only time that it's uh they kind of went that direction with and the the thing that happens with Anne may also in sonic two chances here yeah (laughs) so so it's like yeah it's miles if you just mainline through that story the story is not as good as a story that like 2018 2018's is a much better story i can say that now but my yeah. story is better paced and has better little moments True. so True. i think both games complement each other well before i was like more in the miles morales is just the better game but yeah. this time i'm like yeah both of these games are great especially now that they're together in ps5 and i like that they're so different because now when like spider-man 2 that what we theorize is going to be mostly peter with bursts of miles morales in there Mm -hmm. those gameplays are going to be so different jumping from one to the other it's not going to be a one-to-one hey look it's just spider-man again with a different suit let's do something else and 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 maybe a different voice attached but it's like totally different yeah and who even knows if it's going to be like bursts of miles maybe they're equally going to be as as equally divided and I always said that at least from moveset in gameplay, Miles is much more fun than than, than Peter. I do just like yeah, just because his, of the uh, experience ness of it, mm-hmm. where he stumbles when he tries to take somebody out because he's like holding him up and he kind of uh-huh. bursts forward. He hits somebody and like kind of he's stumbling a little bit. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I love the the character that he's yeah. kind of into right now. It's the tiny um, things that help the game not feel like you're just a palette swap of the same character. They each have, they may have the same stance of when they're walking and running, but the actual punches and kicks that they do, they're so subtly different that they all feel unique to each other. 
I'm going to say one thing, though. A little bit of a hot take. I don't know if I like Miles' suit. Really? There's something about it I'm not... I love it. Okay, (laughs) in general, I love it. Fantastic. I don't know why this iteration um, doesn't have as much of what I like about it. I don't know. Um, Because with... Peters, I had to get used to his new one. I did not like it at with first. The big, the, with the big the, white one. The big white, the white uh, Spider-Man logo. And um, I really had to get into it. And even now, I just choose not to play as that one usually. Um, That's the one I play with. I afforded myself to like it. And I, I like it now. <laughs> I, I like it because I love in the cutscenes that he gets his little uh, actual emotions through his eyes. Excuse me. But... Um, Miles is there's something about like the roundness of it face of, of his face and like he looks more filled out in it mm-hmm. than I would think he should be, especially if he's on the younger side. Like I guess I like the into the spider-verse look so much. The more thinner, he's, like, slimmer version. Really mm-hmm. lanky. He's really small. And granted, like uh Miles in this one is more like 17, 18, so he would be a little bigger, but um, I don't know. I, I do kind of wish there was just a little bit more of a body type difference between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Even if like they're just a little bit of age difference. If you look at the at the uh, Spider-Man 2 trailer, I think they actually fixed that. If you look, it, because they're standing next to each other. Right. And way. there was clearly like a, a height difference, which I appreciated. Um, but I just, I don't know why, like in Miles Morales, he looked like he was taller and big. Um, and then I was just like, I thought this guy was supposed to be like a kid. He looks um, a kid to me, but I could just have been biased because I just enjoy that game a lot. So there is one also thing. Um, his face looks super janky right when they revealed him in 2018's remastered version. I don't know what it was, but he had this weird like kind of mm-hmm. smile. Weird face. when he takes the picture um, of the helicopter and he turns around and then like yeah yeah right yeah. when he turns around I was like what the heck did they do to you I will um, say even in remaster form of 2018 you look at Miles Morales you can see where graphically that game took a lift up like that's true <laughs> um, they did a good speaking, job with remastered absolutely and did you have any other uh, final thoughts yeah, on Spider Man still phenomenal game I would say right. now I think I'm even more high on Spider Man than I was before. That I think is just behind God of War to me now as the best uh, PlayStation exclusive before it was like number five in like a huge list. But I feel I even more about it now. If it's not my first, it's like got to be my second, mm-hmm. alongside maybe Uncharted Four and Ghost I don't of even know what else? Um, yeah, Ghost. Those, Tsushima, those are your three that you always like. I think go to the Spider-Man's going to be number one, Ghost of Tsushima two, and, and Uncharted Four number three. Yeah, three, just yeah. because of how strong that ending was for me. But anyway, um, speaking of really janky lifelike models, we're on to Death Stranding director's oh, yeah. cut. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I'm being a little unfair to it right at the start because I will say to everybody listening, I was very mean to Death Stranding when it came out. Mm-hmm. Um, I have since learned to like it. Mm-hmm. And then today I spent about four hours playing it on episode three still or yeah. chapter three. And um, just I questioned you. my life decisions. <laughs> I I sat there and I went, I'm not actually like I don't feel like I'm any further in progression in this game because at a certain point, the side stuff doesn't really give you anything outside of like the like, likes, mm-hmm. right? Um, but like I didn't need to 
order any new equipment. I just kept using the same truck. I just rolled over everything. Um, and then I was like, oh, shoot, I'm taking the fun out of this. I got to change things up right now or continue the story. Um, but then right as that was happening, we decided to start recording. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, if I come back to it, I need to make sure I do some different things. That game has time. aged like fine wine, hasn't it? After the 2018 with this one. Better. Yes. yes. Um, the the faces still look really weird. Um, every time I look at Fragile or Amelie's face, it doesn't look like they're actually looking at Sam. They're just kind of like unfocused looking off into the distance that's what we're because weird puffy eye i'm playing it on quality mode with the black bars that that from the, the white screen and i had my parents pass by and be like what movie is that that's how look all those characters were. It's like wow. this is not a movie this is a game maybe i need to do some changing to my uh tv screen because sometimes it just it looks like their faces are like almost too reflective um especially when they're crying it's just like water is one of the hardest things that you could possibly do especially when you do lifelike stuff Mm -hmm. and then you put in plot reasons for them to cry every time they use their powers and it's just like this this looks like a wax model of somebody crying and it honestly freaks me out very if you're playing on performance mode that has lower resolution i can see that happening and i would say the only time the character models look weird is if they are in a very high contrast area that there's too much white in it the characters look unreal when there's like a little bit of shadow in it like when when there's like a mix of shadow that that's that game just looks absolutely unreal like i'll say back back then and even more now yeah um I I will say like Sam looks great. Um, I don't know why they decided to do his little ponytail thing because whenever he has his hair down, he looks fantastic and it looks just like Norman Reedus. Like mm-hmm. especially, I got his little lifelike sunglasses from his real life, and it just looks it's it's just him. Um, but and like you said, it's when there's high contrast, they just look washed out there's something wrong about it but if you get the right shadows in it's like more natural lighting they look fantastic the problem that i'm finding is that why would they have all of their biggest emotional conversation moments in the private room which is a white room with harsh lighting Mm -hmm. if you're gonna do that you would think that you'd want to make that setting as cinematic as possible first and then Allow like at the white, like at the at the fake White House with the president, with um, Bridget the president, yeah, and then, yeah, that, that, that looks, looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the actual cinematics in there, but then when you have like fragile talking to Sam in the private room, you have Dead Man showing up, um, and it's just that harsh lab lighting on all of their conversations. It's like, oh, guys, you're killing me here. Um, but then I'm sure like. Hartman was one of my favorite characters. So once we get to him and mm-hmm. his little library, that's going to be awesome. Um, the snow when you're like the in the snow, snow area. area. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then like mama's lab, I think hers was darker if I'm remembering. Mm-hmm. Oh right. yeah. And the big cutscene um, that with her zoomed in is like one of the most mm-hmm. like 
unsettling realistic things like that game her face is unsettling sometimes (laughs) because she has like these huge lips she just stares at you with these like doughy eyes and she's like (laughs) help me sam yeah now please bring the things that 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 whole like your hang up with the visuals aside like how do you feel that game holds up as the mailman simulator in a lockdown society two years later yeah um it, it, that's will... what that's the part that i'm like wow it's like it really i knew it would just because everything that happened last year by not playing it again it's like holy crap <laughs> i i will clarify i'm being super unfair to the game i'm super nitpicky right now just because i'm enjoying myself but um the every time they mention like the apocalypse of something happening but like they're just vague enough that they don't talk about what it was mm-hmm it sounds like they're just talking about 2020 and they're saying like, all right, well, we can't have anybody outside. People are too afraid to go outside. Um, We need you to like really bridge things for us. We really need to come together as a people. We're not going to survive this. Like we need to get over ourselves and accept certain things. And this was the script now. This was the script as is in 2019. Yeah. Yeah, They haven't changed anything. Unchanged. Um, (laughs) So it just, that feeling of, holy crap and then i know it's more out in the wilds but whenever they're in a city um that's when it hits for me especially because i remember walking around my city right when 2020 was beginning mm-hmm. um and covid started fully in in full swing and the deserted streets the quiet that you would they have they um, the quietness that oh unnerving feeling uh, something that I did not know at all during the first playthrough of Death Stranding that I found out in my second is that every single BT looks different. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? I yeah. I didn't um, because I was so focused on trying to like secretly avoid them with my little crouch and I never used any of the weapons against them. And I mm-hmm. was like, I, I was jipping sh- myself of that whole combat scenario because most of the time I would have a vehicle and you're not just going to get out of the vehicle to run through, shoot the BTs and then mm-hmm. keep driving or something. Um, it's like many Kojima games, time. there's hidden depth that you didn't know was there until you yeah. find out. You're like, wow. Um, but then like, so you'd have your normal size BTs, but then you have infant BTs and then obese BTs and all of like the different people that died. Cause like, I wasn't really listening either when they exposited all that information that a BT is just when somebody dies and a BT gets to it, it creates a new BT. It's not actually what, wait, let me think. It's not what uh, causes a void out. It turns out it's when a BT eats a living person mm-hmm. that it causes a void out technically. That enters so, necrosis. Something called necrosis that right. And that's the why necrosis, they have to like fire them. Um, which I found out you can not only burn them, but you throw them into the tar lake, and that does the same thing. Um, so you can kill as many enemies as you want. You don't have to go to the incinerator. You just have to bring them to the edge of like any tar pit and then drop them in, and then they're gone. Um, which is like funny that's little cool. details. Yeah, that that's you cool don't because you don't feel realize. too bad about playing it as an action game and killing those people, huh? <laughs> well, I don't actually, I haven't killed anybody because it's so easy to not. Um, mm-hmm. Because 
like the bolo gun is like a one hit knockout instantly on like any human enemy you come up uh, come across and that's and the then, director cut edition right that bolo yes. gun yeah no um no or that was, was it was it in the original, original. Yeah, the maser the... gun that they give you was uh was new and apparently initially it was there but it, like you get it way later in the game so they just give it to you re really early to help you out um the i didn't like that one as much because you had to very specifically have the reticle on the person mm -hmm. and um if not it like used up your ammo but then you had to like realign it and like it basically only worked if you had the reticle on the person completely uh you couldn't kind of like sweep it across but anyway it's like metal gear solid 5 yeah metal gear um, was like that and just the uh, <laughs> the ability to like hold the uh the luggage and kind of just swing and throw like that's that was my main source of uh fighting in the previous times but then being able to go into the virtual room helped me understand the timing needed for like the rope mm -hmm. and so i can parry like anybody um at this point and it was so funny the only thing i wish is if they'd given me one of those cool electro staffs that would have been fantastic <laughs> being able to like javelin that to somebody mm -hmm. and knock them out with the stun shot i mean oh, don't you I know was... if it's not in the game because who knows it's... maybe there is oh that would be great if it was but i don't think it is based on whatever i was looking up but there are things that people haven't found yet like um i found out the cyberpunk um 2077 motorbike is in the game mm -hmm. they added that for the um, pc version last year so oh is that what that is mm -hmm. okay so yeah you have that and then the little v lines that you can put on sam and i think there might be some other things but excuse me it's part of the fun is finding all the new stuff and then accidentally stumbling across new stuff at the same time. Like you're, you're like, finding out Jeff Keighley's in the game? Right. Well, I mean, that was supposed to be in there already, I think. But I, I know, just didn't that, know like, who he was. Exactly. That, I knew the not like, Conan O'Brien and stuff being in there. I was like, Herman oh, Holtz. Nice. Herman, like, like Sony Worldwide Studios, uh, Herman Holtz is in the game also. Really? Yeah. Where is he at? Uh, you'll find you'll find him right now in Chapter 3. Yeah, you'll find him there. Okay, then I've probably seen him. Because sometimes it looks like somebody looks iconic enough that i'm like that looks like a it would have been a person that i should know this was I, kojima's bad project where he invited every friend that he could and everyone was in the game and it's even really if it's funny. not the vice um you have people that absolutely look super boring but like that's reality where the chiral artist's mom looks like i could have bumped into her at my local grocery store <laughs> <laughs> because she's got like the Karen hairstyle, the very basic uh, white lady in her 50s kind of look to her face. Um, I don't know why she would be white and then her daughter would be an Asian girl. But I mean, hey, maybe uh, she's biracial, which actually that um, there's something that I know that I learned um, in the lore because I decided to read some of it. Mm -hmm. um, it turns out there is an in-universe explanation for almost all of the characters being asexual. <laughs> I was reading through all the mail. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading through, uh, what is it? The, the memory chips, they give you access to like data and lore and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, one of those 
is an explanation for how when the Death Stranding happened, it caused people to not seek out um, connections with others. Mm-hmm. And it led to very few people actually being interested in people. And it, this is like a five paragraph, several page document. And I was just like, this is insane. So <laughs> weirdly descriptive and specific, yeah. but then it's like, I guess it kind of explains why so many people just don't have an interest in each other. And there's also not really that many characters to begin with, honestly, but um. I do want to look up Sam's condition. Dead Man said the name of it at the start of the game, and I, it sounds specific enough to be real. Yeah, it, it, you'll keep hearing it, even all the way till the yeah. end. Yeah, it started the, yeah. with an A, I knew that. But mm-hmm. um, what I wasn't sure is if it was a phobia or like an actual metal, medical condition with him, because it sounds like they were talking about it. Like he was just afraid of being touched by people. But then every time somebody touches him, it leads like an an actual scar. Yeah. You probably forgotten because I think your mind thinks about the ending of the game and you being preached by Amelie for like an hour and 30 minutes. All of that explanation happens after the preaching. So you probably tune all Uh, of that out. Okay. Yeah. I probably just (laughs) dropped off then. (laughs) I'm going to have to look up exactly how to get through that spot as fast as possibly uh, mm-hmm. as, as possible, because if I don't, I'm going to lose my mind again. No. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to hate <laughs> Amelie, but I do. And she's the whole reason this is happening. Everyone just yells at Sam and he's just like, I'm a UPS guy. I don't know what's I don't, going I don't, so, on. So I don't know if you know this about the actress that plays Amelie, like, Actual Amelie is like a DH version of Lindsay Wagner, who is the president of this game because she's an old actress. So they Dude, aged her, just they aged her down. That so crap they, confused the heck out of me because in the first time I played it, I was like, so is Amelie the same person as Bridget? Because I could see in her face uh-huh. that it was the same. But then I was like, so is she... <laughs> is she real is she uh-huh. fake was she sam's no. sister is uh, it's, the know, same, was... it's, it's the same actress it's just that the Man. president bridget they like the older version of her that's how she actually looks in real life right or at least, at so least they the just face. created and then a they made her out of that yes and then okay. the uh the amelie version they just dh her like marvel style into what yeah, she yeah, used yeah. to look back in her bionic woman days right so. Hmm. so I guess that's why they really want to because man there's just so much of this game I guess because it's so spread out between the like your chapter threes your chapter fives of like really meaty delivery stuff that by the time I've kind of finished that and go on to the next spot I've kind of forgotten everything that happened it's dense it's a dense game um but it's so weird because I remember very vividly certain things like the terrorist organization and Fragile's whole story. Higgs. Um, Higgs. That dude. It's so funny because he has like this weird country accent, uh-huh. but then it just sounds like Troy Baker straight up. Yes, and I've Troy heard Baker, so <laughs> much of him now that I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> I, mean, I swear if Higgs pauses the cutscene in the middle of his uh, monologue and just starts talking about his time playing last of us again i'm gonna lose it 
He's like, Troy hey, Baker. guys. Yeah, Troy Baker's everywhere, right? He is. Um, but, like, props to him for... He's still one of my favorite. Everything. He's one of my favorite voice actors. He's he's fantastic. Um, just the fact that he can do what he did with the Joker and Batman origin, uh, Arkham Origins. Um, and again in Long Halloween. I never saw that. That yeah. came out, didn't it? Yeah, that came out, yeah. Both, part, both parts. You should watch that. Um, I should, because... I always end up choosing the worst of those animated movies. Like mm. I watched Assault on Arkham and I just didn't like it. Really? I, I well, like that one. But I liked it when Batman finally showed up. Mm. The first half of it was kind of weak. To you me. didn't want to be dealing with the Suicide Squad then? <laughs> I, I am Suicide Squatted out right now. Outside <laughs> of the James Gunn version right now. Mm. Um I, f- I feel like they're a little overhyped as a group. I don't think I could justifiably believe that any of them are competent enough to do certain things. Um, they're like, yeah, you're here to beat Superman. I was like, what is Harley Quinn going to do to Superman? All right. Yeah. Especially, <laughs> like, I, want, I, want, I can't wait to see how they do that in the game, which we'll hear about it soon in a month. Only a month? Yeah, in a month for, uh, really? DC, for DC Fandom. We'll hear about oh. that and Gotham Knights. I'd, I'm more interested in Gotham Knights, honestly. I, I really hope that that's good. Uh, I really want to see how they handle the traversal for all that because it looks a little... And I bet you also like it because weird. Nightwing is a character and you've been reading the Tom Taylor Nightwing book, right? I have. And yeah, I also so. really like the modern telling of Jason Todd because they've really like shaved off a lot of his edges mm-hmm. where he's uh, still a good guy. He's not like the Punisher anymore. He's just like a dude that's willing to kill but then people don't really take him seriously so he's just like kind of doing his own thing yeah. i've been on a high nightwing high and also kind of jason todd high because of titans also the the dc the dc mm. show titans that's on hbo max i think they nailed yeah. nightwing and jason todd there so really because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were complaining about Robin how he used to be initially so. because they it, it it was a very edgy version of Robin that then especially with the the Grayson one that eventually like it's justified within that show but it's like completely different I mean he's a dude that he's like so hard edged because of trauma that he has suffered while being Robin for Batman there that he deals with enemies so brutally that one guy he literally grabs one dude is like threatening another the heroes to cut the balls out with the garden shears and then he just grabs and stabs the dude in the balls and takes him it's like it's so I think I saw that scene. Yeah, actually I, I, I saw you. YouTube. I saw, I I uh, showed you that. Uh, that I, I linked that to our group. It'd be like, man, to think That's this is where Titan started. Mm. <laughs> so, but it's like it's they moved on from that. I I think they initially is very off-putting, but I think when you make it in, work on your story, it works as a way of him yeah. like shedding off that darkness and because it, it's like a more extreme version of him finding light. Well, he was, okay, so it does kind of pull away from that as absolutely. The, oh yes, you know? oh yes, that was just in season one. So. Oh, okay, cool. Because I know that was like the last I heard of it. And that season two was like better, but a little more of the same. It was better and, and then, worse. It was better and worse in season one. It was like better tonally, worse in focus. It has an amazing Superboy episode. Like, you, you should like look it up in HBO Max and just find the sixth episode of season two and watch. It's just called Connor. See how they deal with. Superboy, it's amazing. Okay, like Zach and I, we always geek out over that episode because it's so perfect. The dude looks like he's ripped straight out of the comic, the Dang. Superboy that they did in that show. So, I 
I still remember reading through pretty much all of the new 52 Superboy where he had like the weird black with red neon lights on his suit. Yeah. Um, and this one is the one with the, the normal jeans and black t-shirt with yeah, the ass. Of like That's Young Justice. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I love every iteration of him. Yeah, but that's trending. <laughs> so we go yeah. That. Um, uh, unlike you, I haven't played as much of the director's cut because I was cleaning up Deathloop and Spider-Man Remastered. Just kind of be like, I want to clean out all this stuff so I can just like feel like I can dedicate so much. Just in the almost five hours I played of the stranding director's cut, it was just, I feel more mesmerized by it. Now that me and my family go on hikes. In fact, I literally today in today's hike that I went with my family, I put the lower soundtrack. It works so perfect. That's it's so good. perfect for a hike. It's like it nails that feel. I feel like this game more. It doesn't get enough credit at how it gamifies traversal. Like how yeah. the fun of the gameplay is like you figuring out the way as you go. If you're just a gamer that is just about I have to like take this to the destination. That's all that matters. You miss out the forest for the trees of the in between and how how much fun there is if you really study your terrain plan your terrain all of that i feel like more people are getting more in tune to that now because they understand what this game is instead of thinking what it isn't and again we talked about the stories like this is metal gear solid two levels of i can't believe this predicted the fact that this so succinctly predicted the future and i can't wait to play more like once i'm done with all this stuff because there's nothing else coming out right now that i really really care so. yeah um and since battlefield is being delayed more call of duty is not something that either of us is really thinking mm -hmm. of and Destiny beta is beta on. for uh, for the beta is october 8th and 9th i'm absolutely going to be playing a little bit of that because the the little trailer that i saw um looks very very nice yeah nice. i just want to hear how see how it feels and if i can prop the mustard to buy a multiplayer only battlefield game at that price because it looks so good it really looks let's face it though They've all been really multiplayer only. I don't even really count one or two uh, or five having really a, a storyline. Mm -hmm. It's like I'll I'll give it one because they were like the mini campaigns with their own stuff, but five was like one mission and that was it. And then it was three, and then they added a fourth one that sucked. Oh no! I mean like one each, and then there were like a total of like four or five. Mm -hmm. Um but that that wasn't really anything yeah one good. nailed it five blew it so yeah um but yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to the next one i am looking for more of death stranding i really want to unlock more of the things um at this point it's really fun still like going along and just like spamming the touch button to like like people's mm -hmm. things as i run by it's, so, it's it's incredible how overly positive that game is how it strives for that positivity it's it it, it, it resonates more now in, in a world more divided Sometimes yeah. it can come across as trite where they're like sam thank you so much and i'm like get out of here with your sarcasm but I realize that's my own cynicalness. Yeah, it's like this game's not cynical. That's incredible. And, like it's uh, not cynical. The it's really funny whenever you reach somebody that's like, "Get your crap out of here, man!" Like I don't want to be a part of the UCA, and then you do one thing for them, they're like, "Sign me up." Yeah. <laughs> if only the world was that easy, right? I that know. I, they're they're like, "Oh, my wife's dead, and there's nothing you could do to fix this." And they're like, "Oh, guys, we we found this wife. We can figure this out." 
I was like, how did you find her? Yes. <laughs> but um, it's 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 funny how all of the negative problems in their world can be like very quickly turned. Hmm. But honestly, I respect it a lot more now for what it is. Um, the aesthetic is pleasing and awesome. The vibe is awesome. The needle drops of the music at the perfect the amount drops. of time. Um, I need to figure out how to actually like play music while I'm running because I couldn't figure that out, but I want to. Um, yeah, I think it's perfect when the game does it for you because I don't know how it nails exactly when to really like hit you with that sense of nirvana of, of the of the like that bone song like when you're carrying the president as the camera zooms out and it hits you it's like oh I'm here I'm in now. <laughs> I it took me a little longer honestly because carrying the president was really frustrating because you kept like leaning to the left and right and stuff. But for me, I think it was when I started like really getting a couple things, especially when I get my bike. Mm -hmm. I I love getting on that bike. And the fact that they added a few things that make the bike more viable mm -hmm. is very enticing to me because it used to be just like, all right, get the truck and that's the best thing no, to get. Quick question. Have you do you still have adapted triggers enabled? Yes, I don't, I'd I, never change that. I feel this game is probably one of my favorite uses of it. It works so realistically with how much weight you have. It I feels more immersive. I don't know if I like, don't notice it as much, maybe. Do, do you like, like try to carry a bunch of crap and you're and, oh, and, it, have... and, it, and it gets harder to like pull them. And it's like, huh, huh interesting. It, you just it feel more immersive. Little... It's more, it's just more immersive. Yeah. I, my stormtrooper is getting censored. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I like it. I like the feel of it. Um, I, I the vibration changing vehicles. Yeah. Um, the vibration changes depending, depending on the terrain that you're walking. It's kind of like uh, Astro's playroom also. That's true. Yeah. It's like Kojima with tech, play. give Kojima tech. He always will maximize your tech in weird, He'll... interesting ways. I mean, even back from the PS1, he's been doing it and utilizing all of the tech possible in very weird, dumb ways sometimes. And with that, I think we'll probably wrap up on that one. And mm -hmm. um, I have one question for our topic that yes. I don't think is going to take us too long. Go for but it. But we're going to segue slightly. Let me let me get this out here. All right. You know, I'm gonna make it simple today because we got to talk a lot about some other things going on. Yeah, I thought the I thing that we talked about Deathloop was almost topic-wise <laughs> when we talked about the masterpiece. I was like, oh, you inserted there. <laughs> yeah. Um I would say think about all of the games that you've ever played Alejandro oh, yeah. and I want you to think of an experience of a game or style of game that you expected not to like but actually very much enjoyed that's something random. that is that's okay random. so wait hang on literally, let me literally. let me back this up real quick <laughs> it's so easy for I, I knew you would say that and I was trying to say nothing we've already talked about okay. today okay <laughs> Um, and then you jumped out of it. I have another one, though. I have another one, but yeah. All right, let's hear it. <laughs> uh, Shadow of the Colossus. Hey, okay. Yeah. All right, now tell me why. Explain it was at a time that. where that's technically an open world game. 
if you really think about it that way. It's just a boss, boss rush game where the bosses are puzzles. And True. my feeble mind in 2005 was still too young and too uh, unprepared for the nature of puzzles in games. That's why Zelda games at the time were a little tough for me. But that game, like, I, I feel that game, like, taught me a lot in, like, in using logic and environment and uh, skill to figure it out. I didn't expect that I would like a game with so much solitude in it. I was used to more games always being like more busy at that time because that's what, those were the kind of games I would always play. Either small, that there's always something happening. That game is very austere and serene in like in its emptiness. That actually, that stranding reminds me a lot of that. In its like emptiness, they almost feel like they're cut from the same cloth almost. And um, and yeah, and the shadow of the Colossus. And, and just the idea of how singular it is, it's just a boss rush. I was like, huh. So this game is nothing more than this. But in its few things that it does, it does so much that that game still stuck with me forever. That's my, that, that's my answer. Shout out to Colossus. I accept this decision. I, um, not one that I expected, but um, that all, all of a sudden made me think of like, what if Death Stranding um, as an improvement to the game Instead of the boss battles we have, Death Stranding is identical in every way except they have Shadow of the Colossus style bosses where he has to use the traversal abilities that he's learned and like climbing hooks and ladders or something to get on a giant BT and puzzle the, the his way are the through big it. monsters throughout the world. Yeah. That their but then it's needs. like they're giant, they're claw... Uh, colossaling they're, they're walking through the wastelands and you have to really watch out i mean they even had one that's giant but like you don't really fight it till the end yeah i forgot yeah because pigs sends you that big one like yep. near the end yeah but then imagine if all of that had been like across the board on a bigger scale and you've yeah. been able to do that instead of just throw grenades at them yeah but i also kind of like i mentioned this training before you put the stipulation of not something that we had just talked about or played with that stranding was like when I started seeing the gameplay, and once like the curtain was lifted, and yeah. be like, "Wait, you're actually a mailman?" When that like really hit, I was like, "So this is a delivery game." Mm. I didn't know I was gonna like it. Be like, I love Kojima. I love because Metal Gear is like some one of my favorite series, if not my favorite franchise ever. Would I be able to? Um, would I be able to like? accept all this and i was surprised how much that's running connected with me in 2019 and even in the little bit that i play right now just feeling that way is like it's still crazy that a mailman delivered uber driver simulator true like can resonate like that and shadow the clauses was like that before like a game that looking at looking at it from the outside is like i don't know if i would like this but then playing it be like oh i'm glad i did because these are two of my favorite games ever so true we're having given them that I chance. I accept that. That's um. Those are some good answers. What about you? Agree. What about you? Yeah, I'm gonna get some. Yeah, I want. I want to hear yours. <laughs> um. So my weirdest ones. Uh, there are two of them actually. The first is NBA 2K16. Okay. I am not a sports playing guy. Mm-hmm. I. I mean, as a kid, we all dabbled in it. You had your Maddens. You had that stuff. FIFA's um fifa's yeah and then i watched i don't know why it was recommended to me but on youtube it was like a top five of like their online court five versus five games and the stuff that they could pull off in that game 
was so bonkers that I went, this sounds amazing because like, I didn't know that you could create your own person and I didn't know you could like play online. I didn't know how in depth all of the basketball was with the way you could change things. Um, because in the past, all it was, was, all right, you had your pass button, your shoot button, special pass button. And that was kind of it, maybe like a sprint, but when I started this game up and I made my character and I'm doing things, um, most of your movements are through the right stick. Mm-hmm. Everything with the way you dribble is like, you can do like a double back, a back quarter circle to the right. You can do like a, a 360 spin. You can do a lot of like these crazy input commands with it. And that is how you shoot as well. Like by holding the uh, stick up, you do a certain kind of shot. If you hold it back, you do a certain, another kind of shot entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the things you could do, they had a button for no look passes that if you hit, like you double tap the circle button and then hit the right stick a certain way, you will do like an elbow behind the back shot to somebody. And the possibilities of being able to do something like that, like enraptured me during that year. And um I got super obsessed with it to the point that every like two years I'll buy the next uh, NBA game. So my last one was actually 2K19 or 20. I don't remember which, but now we're on 2022. So I think it was 20 that I bought. And um, it's crazy because like if you actually max out your character, they give you a credit towards the next game, Mm -hmm. which is something that I didn't realize was a thing at all. But then also every once in a while they'll have a sale that you can buy the game that's come out for like six months now and they'll give you a bunch of the credits currency so you can have a better character and just the fun that i didn't expect to have but actually did was um really it was wholesome and enjoyable when i didn't have to worry about doing anything crazy outside of shooting a ball into a hoop (laughs) um and then similarly was tekken 7 I had never played any of the Tekken games. Really? Um, not even in an arcade? I was not allowed to when I was younger because they weren't wearing wholesome outfits. Um, also, I just, it kind of intimidated me. I didn't know what I was doing. It didn't seem fun to me to like waste some of the short amount of money that I would get for an arcade mm-hmm. on like mashing buttons and then not seeing what I wanted to happen out of it. Um And it wasn't until one of my roommates would play Tekken Tag Tournament and uh, just religiously, like constantly, he was really high ranked. He just did that as his fun thing. And um, when the seventh one came out, he was like super excited about it. So I was like, all right, let's see what this is about. Bought it full price. And I was like, no expectations. And uh, both the fact that it has this bonkers storyline the which is hilarious and then like the sheer amount of characters you could pick the realisticness of the martial arts um watching like the hit boxes of that like slow-mo motion when you're both throwing out a hit that can kill each other and it just like one will kind of swing right above their head and the other one clocks the person upside their jaw and it's just the hype that i could feel um was so amazing and i i remember filling out a um like three pages of loose leaf with combos of different characters that i wanted to learn and i would just i would sit there and i'd mess with it i'd write new things down i was like oh that worked let me let me chain that into this one so it became this grid of like 
XXX plus triangle square down into the quarter circle over here. And I would have like lines connected to it all. Um, and it was just such a weird time in my life that I got so swept up in it. Is that, that um, what started your fighting game craze that followed you all the way to like the Dragon Ball Z game and uh, even yes. Guilty Gear? Okay, that makes sense. Um, that's what actually picked it up because I wasn't really into fighting games besides like, I mean, your Smash Bros being a fighting game more or less. With Which is debatable. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah. of people debate that, but um, you punch I, and you punch other characters. I can say, I can right. say you can. It's a fighting um, game. It's not traditional. <laughs> so yeah, the so it was Tekken 7 that actually got me into the concept of fighting games as like really trying it. And then Dragon Ball Fighters, I really was working on that, but the style was so different that I struggled because you can't just learn one character. You have to learn three. Plus their combinations with each other. And then I was like, this is too much for me. So when Guilty Gear Strive came out, it was like it had all that dial back one character you can get good at and it just looks so pretty that i um i actually still need to go back and play yeah. that a little and bit that's my thing with fighting games like i can i don't think i can ever play a fighting game at such a technical level i don't have that kind of patience especially knowing that there was other people that just Usually like i don't learn, either that's yeah the learn the minutiae of the of the different combos and all of that and uh but like, for example, a fighting game that what would get me into a fighting game is a story mode. That's what the Mortal Kombat 9 did for me. Mm-hmm. And then Injustice and then Mortal Kombat 10 and then Injustice 2 and MK11. Other Realm like, is unmatched in the story department. Storyline. Yeah. It's like, it's um, good for me that doesn't want to like really engage with those games on such a technical competitive level. And that's great for me that they were able to give me that because then other fighting games, I don't think they have that kind of story. At least I don't know yet. I saw the Marvel versus Capcom Infinite story. So a little, a little bit of it. Atrocious. So. Yeah. They, a lot of them try to, and they try to like explain how these characters might bump into each other and fight. Guilty Gear some, did something interesting where um, it's all cutscenes. Like there's no input by you. You just watch. Um, <laughs> you You just watch it all play out and it's, immensely long mm-hmm. but um in the end that that is my choice and i'm glad to hear the yours as well um and for different reasons this was funny. yeah yeah um and so that's all to say everybody listening and watching please every once in a while if something piques your interest that's not in what you usually do Give try it, a shot. it and you might be surprised what you find interesting be open-minded um, like if, if if there's something that shot of the clause has taught me is that to be open-minded not to immediately say that's not for me. Say it after you've tried it. If after you've tried it, it's not for you, at least you've tried it. Yeah. And with that, that is everything that we have to say, everybody. Um, Alejandro, this has been a really fun episode. We got to talk about everything. We went uh, very in-depth with everything, but yes. I felt a lot less guilty because I didn't knew that we didn't have to jump into news Exactly. <laughs> I told you um, it was going to be yeah. better for us that way because we didn't hold back. <laughs> we didn't and um and i'm excited for the future yeah. <laughs> we, yeah we'll we'll have to learn to hold back <laughs> uh, oh yes absolutely for for time but at the same time if you have to say something then yeah. don't we don't feel the need to cut it this time and we played a lot more in this one week than we usually do which yeah is other times like i bet it's gonna be way days. less right. this just happened to be everything just stacking up so. right 
when then in the end everyone um i also want to tell y'all social media wise you can find me at dork of art on youtube and twitter and at angel sword 21 on twitch alejandro where can everyone find they you? can find me at the slayer giant at in twitch.tv slash the slayer giant they can find me on youtube at also i have the slayer giant in youtube but i put, put most of our stuff here in the escape media youtube um you can find me at twitter at a underscore door segovia and instagram at all hundred segovia 93 and some of my written content at the critical corner.com awesome to hear well everybody that's been us and i hope that you can keep actually let us know how this works out for you do yes. you like the new method do you like the new format comment below check it out and until then we'll right. see y'all next time Press and us. oh to play yeah see everybody like share and subscribe